don't know if anybody out there can relate, but like I have a hard time with life sometimes. Right. Sometimes it's great, but a lot of times for me it's really hard. And um, and no matter how I'm feeling, like I always find myself like struggling with certain patterns of behavior. I find myself like stuck in like a, in like the same thing that keeps repeating over and over again. And I'm just like, how do I end up? How am I in this? And it's that moment where you're in it, and then you kind of separate yourself from that situation, and you look at it, and you see it for what it is, and you you're able to then do something about it. Like you've you've now broken out of that that circle, that cycle. And is it is it a uh, are you kind of because first the first couple of lines on the track make me think that you are like overthinking things in your life? Is it like a you're it could be. I mean, yourself. I mean, honestly, like, there's so many, there's so many circumstances that, for me, that relate to this situation. But like, I know that for me, when I'm inside myself, when I'm in my own head, it gets this place right here, this 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 skull between my ears. That is a bad neighborhood, and I am, <laughs> I should not be in there alone. <laughs> I need, I can't be in there by myself. What are you talking about? It's just, you just, you just, it's insane. It's crazy in here. This is a bad place for me to be by myself. And so when I'm in that, like I get, I, my whole life gets thrown off. Like if I'm in there, like I don't say nice things to myself. Like there's another Chester in there that's like, wants to take me down. And so, um, and I find that it could be whether it's substances or whether it's behavior or whether it's like depressive stuff or whatever it is. Like if I'm not like actively like doing, getting out of myself and, and, being with other people, like being a dad, being a husband, being a bandmate, like being a friend, helping someone out. Like if I'm not, if I'm out of myself, I'm great. If I'm inside all the time, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm a mess. And so for me, it's like, that was kind of where I don't like my mind right now. Stacking up problems that are so unnecessary. You know, that's where that kind of, that was where that came from for me. And, um, and that's, but it's the moment where it's like realizing like I drive myself nuts, like actually thinking that like all these are real problems. Like all the stuff that's going on in here is actually just, I'm doing this to myself. And um, regardless of whatever that thing is. And so this is that like conscious awareness of that thing. And like when you when you can step back and look at something, like you're actually elevating yourself consciously. Like you're 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 enlightened at that point right. to a certain degree. And so this is that moment of enlightenment where you go, you know, I could do something about this. And by doing it, I can move forward and get unstuck from this. And I could actually be able to, for me, it's like I can live with life on life's terms. Like I can, can experience the whole spectrum of humanity and not want to get out of it. Whether it's happiness, sadness, or whatever. Like, I just want to, like, I, when I'm in it, I just want to get out of however I'm feeling, no matter what it is. So when you wrote this song, you were clearly in that bad neighborhood in your brain. Or this time last year, I was a mess, like a total wreck, you know? And like, I think for a lot of people, they think like if you're successful, like all of a sudden, like you get like a green, like you get like some card in the mail that says like, you're going to be totally satisfied and happy for the rest of your life. It, it doesn't happen like that. Like life for me happens the way it always, it's my, the only difference is I'm in Lincoln Park. Like what goes on inside my head is always been, it's always been this way for me. So when I'm not working on that, like my life gets messy and that's kind of the, how the, the inspiration for all these songs came from conversations about 
life and what was going on as friends, as husbands, as fathers, as, you know, whatever, business partners. Like, we were all talking about what was going on in all aspects of our lives at certain times throughout the process of this record. And we realized, like, man, we've all gone through, like, some really crazy stuff. And we don't need to find the source of inspiration. Like, what's this record about? Like, this is our life. You know, the, we always have written about our lives. And, like, that should just be enough we don't need to find some new thing. Like life is always throwing these like curveballs at you, whether they're good or bad. Like it, it just happens. And eventually what I found is, especially with the bad stuff, because that's the stuff that I kind of lean, that's the stuff that, I, that sticks to me a little bit more. Coming out at the other side and being like, man, I'm a better person because of that. Or I can, I'm more compassionate because of that. Or, you know, I can understand, I feel like I can understand people or humanity a little bit differently because I've been through some pretty crazy stuff and that's a positive so finding the positive in all these things that's what we always try to do but we still talk about the feelings we had going through all these different circumstances
everyone. This is Chris again from CGN Nerdcast, and today I'm very excited about the show we're about to do. Before we go into that, though, I'm going to go ahead and introduce who we are here with, and I'm going to start with going to my left, which would be... I thought you were going to introduce me. No, I'm not going to. Oh, You've okay. Got to, I, I, I have to do it myself I don't now. get paid enough to, to do all that talking. Yeah, all right. So, hi, this is Addie Venture with CGN. Uh, you can find me at Cake and Cosplay on Instagram to follow any of my baking adventures, cosplay builds, and copious photos of my pet cat. Sweet. Now you guys understand why I did not want to have to say all that. All right. And next we have... I'm uh, Chelsea Tyler from Dreamcatcher. Woo! Oh, he had you muted. Say it again. And Brian from Dreamcatcher as well. All right. And across from Brian, we have... Hi, I'm Benny Clow. Um, I'm a composer, and I'm the lead vocalist and bass guitar player for the streams. Sweet. Sweet, 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 sweet. So, like I said a few seconds ago, I'm very excited to have Dreamcatcher on today. And I do want to tell a funny story about the band. A lot of the people listening to this... Um, actually saw a post on Facebook and submitted songs from their bands for a top 50 show that we're going to have in Baltimore, a podcast that's going to be released. And Dreamcatcher was one of the bands that did it. And I actually have to go back and re-record the bits I did for them because instead of saying Dreamcatcher, I was saying (laughs) D-R-M-C-T-H-R through the whole podcast. And Right now, we're recording at our studio in Fortin Pub. I was up here one night and let somebody hear their music, and they were like, oh, that's so brilliant the way they did that. And I'm like, what? They're like, the band name. It's Dreamcatcher. <laughs> and my head just exploded. <laughs> because I was like, I, I, the one thing I can't put my finger on about this band is why they would pick this, like, random, <laughs> these random letters and just, words. and just kind of throw them together. But, uh, yeah, that was actually Amy. She's one of the bartenders here. And she was like, oh, that's so cool. That's Dreamcatcher. And my head just exploded. <laughs> nice. So thank you guys for coming. Yeah, as thank I told you for you. having thank us. You. Perfect. As I told you guys earlier, I'm very excited to have you guys on. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the band, what you guys are doing now. Um, about how recording Hold Your Love went, uh, some of the things you went through doing that. Maybe, since they're not here, who are the other two band members? Uh, the other band member is Craig Perkins. He's our bassist. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet. Um, so let's talk about Hold Your Love for a second. Mm-hmm. All right. How long did it take you guys to put that album together? Um, uh, roughly like three and a half, borderline four years. Sweet. And you guys had a lot of, how many songs were on that album? Uh, on Hold Your Love, it's 11. 11. Mm-hmm. And I like that because a lot of bands and a lot of bands in the local scene, they'll put an EP or an album out mm-hmm. and it might have five songs on it. Mm-hmm. Like, how? Like, 11 songs? Like, who's writing? Who's coming up with the music? Took, it took a long time. We put out our first EP, Wonderlust, in 2013. And that had, it was ridiculously long for an EP. It was like eight songs. We intended it for it to be like an album or like a collection of EPs. But it just like kind of fit with the eight songs. And that's kind of how Hold Your Love was. We were, we were writing for a full length. And um, when we, you know, I think we had like what, like... 25 to 50 different ideas for... Uh, we, I think we will... I think at first, the reason why it took so long is we wrote maybe 11 ideas and then had them scrapped mm-hmm. and then maybe went back to five of them and then had a bunch more. Yeah, written. then had like another so 10 or 15 ideas. We kind of like and gave up on the album completely and then came, came back to it mm-hmm. eventually. So yes. how many songs do you guys have in the bank right now? 
Um, 22, 21, something like that. Yeah, oh something like God. that now. Yeah, you guys oh. could do a double album. Yeah, we call us old fashioned. You know, we we like to write albums. We're an album you know? band. And and I love that because both albums. I've obviously listened to both albums. It's not like a lot of bands. They'll have their three or four hit songs. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is filler. You guys don't have that. Like, you start off strong, go all the way through strong, and finish strong. Like, mm-hmm. how the hell do you do that? It's just, we just, like, like I said, our writing process is just so ridiculous. Like, it's, like you said, you know, write 15 songs and scrap everything and come back to a couple and bring them forward with you and then get to the next phase and scrap it. And so there's a lot of stuff, but we only keep the best of what we get, like, what we write. And everything else, like, you can go back to it. Like, there's ideas... I wrote when I was 18 years old that we're still like, oh, we could revisit that and make right. it really, really cool now. And there's always ideas that, like, you're not ready for as a musician or an artist. Like, there's, a, I'm sure you can attest to this as well. Like, there's always things that, like, you know are going to be great, but you're just not capable of that greatness yet. You have so much to learn to, to get there. So I think that's, you know, that's where it is. And we just, like, we, we're album people. Like, every, you know, Jimmy World and Death Cab and Nirvana, like, all these amazing bands. And we're also really into pop music as well. So we come from that to where, you know, you listen to Nevermind, and that's, that whole record is an experience. You know, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, mm-hmm. an experience throughout to where, like, the songs that, like, if someone was like, this is Alanis Morissette, and you, you know, play a slow song on our record, you're going to be like, okay that's cool but you play like a hit and then you listen to the full thing and you're like i understand why she wrote that or wrote this and it all makes sense so i think in the context of our whole discography it all makes sense right and i think that we just wanted it since we're so young as a band and we're trying to like really make people look at us and you know get some sort of attention we just want it to be if you show someone stay away it's going to have the same impact as if you show them blacked out. Right. Like, because we want it to all be that caliber. And that's, you know, that's just a, you know, we, our worst song is the worst song that we'll ever put out and everything else won't be, won't be that bad. And, and see, that's amazing because I think, I feel like a lot of bands will put out an EP with a bunch of originals and they're <laughs> like, okay, these are going to be our two songs. <laughs> I don't get that from you guys. Like, you're like, we're just, these all need to well, be it's fucking like, epic. When you listen, when you think about that Alanis Morissette record, that's, that's a big influence for us, but there's only like two songs on it that aren't singles that weren't number one or number two or top 40 singles. Like most of the songs on that first record are singles. So it's, it's crazy, you know, and especially in that Nirvana record too, it's and then, all the songs were on the radio. And then when you think in like the context of, you know, we're living in, you know, 2018, which, you know, which to us is the future. Like <laughs> we write with a purpose. Yeah. You know, right? It's, yeah. it's because it's so it's just over consumed there's so much out there and like if we put out a you know like not to toot our horn or anything but if we put out a song that wasn't good and someone the only thing that they ever hear is that that one Dreamcatcher song isn't good and they spell their name stupid and they suck and they don't want to give anybody the opportunity and that's just that's just how people consume things these days i mean you look at you know movies and television and other music like that's that's just how it is so you just i think especially in these times you have to be so smart with what you put out and what you you know this band for us is us like it's everything so for us like we can't put out you know the bullshit we have to put out like what really sings true to us and like if you make it they'll come you know that's kind of my philosophy is 
and you know I want to make something that I'm right. super proud of and any of these songs that we've written with this band just to me stand the test of time you can play the one that you would think is the worst and I can show you that it's it's pretty good it's all right, right. <laughs> now now who does most of the writing do you guys collaborate like go into the studio and you're like okay this is what the lyrics should be or does somebody come to the table with the lyrics and and you guys go from there it, it, we have different for, jobs yeah it works a variety of ways like there's times like with gun for instance uh was i think the first song written for hold your love um which like the baseline idea was written for our old ep and um so that one i just sat down with an acoustic guitar and the words fell out and you know we put it to the band and made it and then there's other songs that like brian will have a whole whole electronic demo and you know he'll bring that to the table and we'll figure right. out how to like fuse it with a full band situation and um so it just just kind of depends and i'll do the same and you know craig will bring some different ideas to the table so it's just like we bring the best stuff and it's a melting pot and you know we work with an excellent team of people that you know help us kind of achieve that vision and right. so it works works all kinds there's, of different ways there's different ways of getting to a song too you know like if you write every song the same exact way you're going to come up with the same exact song every time so whether it's like one person sitting at a computer coming up with a, an elaborate idea or like everyone jamming in a room together like because there's a few songs that ended up like that like blacked out was literally like us in a room together with with a drummer and craig and everyone having an idea so and you and, know. and for blacked out when you guys wrote that song was that something that somebody brought to the table of the lyrics already or was that something you guys just put together like just as a collaborative between the, each other so that one came from uh just like a guitar riff that i had and then uh brian put the drummer that we were working with through hell trying to make just a crazy insane part and um it just kind of really came together organically in the room and we were like in line after that little writing session we were in line at like a taco bell and i had the da 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 like i had that whole like half of that chorus kind of figured out right. but i didn't have any words but baby i want to die right. and i was like okay cool so how do i build around this and when we when we start like we kind of like to finish all of our instrumentals and get all of our ideas together so that way when i'm writing i have like a full like palette of what i'm writing to right. and um you know that was just the color that kind of came out with that song was just like when i sat down to write lyrics it's um you know i went through some stuff when i was like 19 um probably taking too many pills or something like right. that got to the point where i was offered heroin and you know realized i was 19 not knowing like what withdrawal was or anything and you know luckily did not do the heroin high five uh, yeah not, I, I would hug you if you weren't yeah, across not, the table not my vibe uh, but i realized at that point like how serious it was and so uh, when we were writing this record, it took so long because we just had a lot happen within the band and within our relationships and friendships. And um, so I got to a point where, like, I was drinking a lot and I was drinking with intent to get behind a wheel and try to crash my car. Right. And um, not a pretty situation. And we were writing the song. It was just like kind of another one of those points where it was like what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And so for me, I wanted to write a song that was like the you know person that i want to be and how i would talk to the person i was being and so like mm. in the video you can kind of see that there's the red room there's a and, video i have not seen yeah, the video oh, oh you my seen god the video. <laughs> yeah oh, so man. the video the concept is like i'm in this bedroom i wake up from this bender and you know i'm flashing back to the bender and i'm realizing that i've done it again i'm right. you know so i'm like okay cool since i already fucked up my life let's fuck <laughs> it up more 
but there's another version of me that's on the other side of the door and it's like kind of bluer in hue and it's just like that angel and that devil and it's me on the other side of the door just like begging myself to get out of the room and so that's what blacked out was for me was just me just imagining the person that I'd like to be and speaking to the person that I was being and just saying like yo that's Right. You just please get out of it. Just like anything, I will do anything to just like get you out of this. And for me, that was just so cathartic to one realize those feelings and two be like, you know what? Like, who do I want to be? And like, what what would they say to me? Like, what will pull me out of this? And so that's you know lyrically kind of where that comes from. And that's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that because yeah, once we li- what we're going to do later is we're going to listen to the song. And mm-hmm. I want to tell you how I've interpreted myself, and it's helped me. I think a lot of people need to hear, like, why that song was written. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people that could, like, relate to it and yeah. could be helped by it. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, to be able to talk about that, and that's why I thank you for talking about it, people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And that somebody could listen to this podcast, listen to your song, and be like, wow, that song made yeah. me think differently. To, to have just one person be able to say something of, like, yo, I connected with that, and it made some sort of a, an impact, like, to me, that's... You know, once I, I kind of have this feeling that once you make a record and once I'm I put it out and it's out, you can listen to it on Spotify or buy it or whatever. It's not mine anymore. So these stories for me, like they're they're not mine. Like you know, I and I've realized this. Like we did a a call with like our management and our booking agent was on the call and like our label team and like everyone that's involved in this part of my life. And um, we were talking about the song Jenna, and for me, like, they were like, we should use that as a single, like, it's the best song, and, like, for me, that song is so personal, and, like, they just went around the, the, on the call, just, like, kind of in a circle, just telling me, like, why that song, like, matters to them, and, like, you know, my manager shared stuff with me that I, like, we've been friends for 10 years, and, like, I didn't know. Right. And so for me, like, that was just kind of the point where I was like, yeah, like, these songs are out, they belong to everyone else now, like, they're not mine. And, like, so these stories, like, you know, why they were written deserve to be shared. But I don't, I also don't want to, like, lose context of, like, whatever you equate the song to. Right. That's yours to feel and yours to have. And, like, your relationship with the music is yours. Like, it shouldn't be tainted by my relationship and, with it either. And you know what? That's the thing. Like, with me and the way my perspective of that song blacked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first question I wanted to ask you guys, what is that song about? I kind of knew what it was about because of what my perspective is of it. And I feel like anybody who listens to it that's going to build their own opinion, build their own story in their head, mm-hmm. would want to know. And, and yeah. it's like not going to be far off. Like Your music, it's not just up there playing guitar, singing about mm-hmm. It's deep. Yeah. It is yeah. deep. It's, it's funny because when, <clears throat> when you're coming up with what songs you know you're discussing what songs you should put as a single and a lot of times you're thinking about like what's musically like the most like the kind of most relatable song or the most poppy song or sometimes you go by the sound of it or the structure of it what's like the most palatable and that wasn't like our first choice as a single but as soon as we heard the lyrics and we realized how relatable it was just in general that's when we were like yeah that's the single and because it doesn't have a, a typical structure of a, like a normal song, it doesn't have like just a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And that's what I love about it. it but it's and I'm going to go out right now and tell you, you have the most beautiful voice in the oh, world. Thank you so much. You do. Aww. Like it's it's like an angel singing. And you can ask her, and you can ask him. Like us recording podcasts up here, 
I've been going around like, come here, you need to fucking listen to <laughs> oh, this band. He, Sit oh, down. Grabbed me, dragged me outside, and was just hands me the phone, and he's just like, listen to this, and I'm like, all right. No, but it's you guys are amazing oh like, thank just, you so thank you yeah. so much and there's bands on the radio right now i'm, I'm i'll sit there and i'll listen and i'll be like how, how, did, how did they get there and they're they're we gotta get them on the radio like they deserve to be on the radio one day oh, Maybe. One, one day one day one day will happen soon i will i will be your biggest fan i will push it i don't <laughs> like it's it's happening we appreciate it so okay so like me i sing i used to be in bands now i just do karaoke um with you mm-hmm Talk to me about how you found your voice. Like, when did you settle on, this is the way I'm going to sound? Um, I don't think I've, I've gotten there yet. What? Yeah, I don't. So I, um, I've been doing this since I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old. And um, I've always been the singer because I've always enjoyed like writing and I enjoyed like the writing melodies. I enjoy writing lyrics. Um, and I enjoy having my perspective on it because, like, I just connect so much with the music and I'm like, I just want to put more of myself into it. And um, so we did Wonderlust and I was like, that was for me the first time I was able to, like, experiment with my vocals and, like, what I could do and the different, like, you know, on Wonderlust you can hear a lot of, like, really low kind of chill harmonies and then with, like, me kind of screaming in the background. Like, so it was a real, like, you know, two different sides of a coin just right. blending them. And for this, I um, I worked with Bradley Walden from Emerosa. He's a vocal coach, and I've worked with him for a while now. Um, so I did some lessons and just kind of learned because I'm really into pop music, and I was just like, I want to take the band in that direction. Right. And um, so just kind of worked a little bit on on different things and like tried to just like expand my palette of writing and like different different ways to use my voice and a little bit more of a pop way to use it and a little bit more singing than you know yelling um and you know still kind of learning that today and just different like enunciation and and different things like that to like show you know like attitude and stuff like that because like there's so much in in vocals that like is unsaid like there's like you know sighs that are in there like little you know yelps or yas or something like that that like so that's kind of where I'm at now. It's just like what else to kind of add to give like extra little elements of vibe. And and I can tell you one thing by your vocal. I can just tell, and this is how I knew the songs were so personal. The only way for your vocals to be as sharp and and impactful as they've been is your singing from the heart. Mm-hmm. Has there been any songs that maybe you've written or the band's put together where you're just like, eh, I'm not feeling this one? Uh, I refuse to put anything out that's like that. If it's if it's not something that I can just connect with and the band can connect with and that right. everyone in the room is like, that's it. Like then it's it's off the table. So when did when did you first decide I'm going to pick up like I obviously like in high school you were probably mm-hmm. writing in a notebook mm-hmm. like daydreaming in class. What made you and when did you decide to say okay I'm going to pick up this microphone and see what I can actually do with this? I I don't know. I never like had that moment of just like this is what I'm doing. Like, I just kind of like always remember it being what I was doing. Like from, I don't know, from like 10 years on. What you just do, like it's the group of friends that you kind of tie yourself with. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really until like we started playing music together that like we took it seriously, you know, like really seriously. How long have you guys known each other? Eight, eight, nine years. Coming up on 10. No, coming up on nine. Coming up on nine. Yeah. Well, no, as of now, it's nine. April. Yeah. Yeah. 
Would you say, in a way, you guys kind of, like, opened each other up, like, with her singing and your playing, like... I feel like that's probably a yes. I I like to say that I discovered you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, Simon Cowell over here. (laughs) Nice. So, so, okay, so the new, new, new... EP or singles that are going to be coming out. Do mm-hmm. you feel like it's going to be along like the same vocal range, or are you going for something different? Are you are you experimenting a little more? We're definitely changing the sound a bit. Like we've you know we've always considered ourselves a pop band, and mm-hmm. there's like stuff on Wonderlust that you know you can hear "Hold Your Love," and that there's more synths and more electronic drumming and different things to it, and it's just kind of continuing that progression. Um, so it's a little bit poppier, but it's like still what I would call it, like, Dreamcatcher. I don't think, like, that, the heart of the band is changing. Um, I think sonically there's a lot of growth for us. Right. Um, and vocally, it's, you know, like I said, just, like, it's going to be different. It's going to be a little bit of a different side of me. I'm just, like, not, I'm not in the same spot I was with Hold Your Love. Right. Um, so wherever I'm at when we get to, like, the fine fine parts of writing is is what it'll be so where do you, what do you do then do you kind of go back and and you try to say you know i still relate to these things that happened to me mm-hmm. i'm going to sing about them still because so many people liked what i put out before or do you say you know what i'm going to change it up and i'm going to sing about where i'm at now in life i i try to just separate that from like you know from who likes the band and and me like i can't just be what everyone wants like right. if you like hold your love i really hope you like what i do to the band next but if you don't that's all good like that record is for who it's for and for me like you know i appreciate the songs and i appreciate what i've been through but you know i i don't feel like rehashing the same situation over, over and over and over. and over is is right for anyone like you know and i think that there's a way that i can you know you know, still be a good storyteller and tell a different story. And so for me, it's just whatever, whatever is, you know, in here yeah. and comes out is what's going to come out. And if people like it, great. And if not, like whatever is true to me and true to us and in the band is what's right. important to us. And I think there's something to say for that transgression, like mm-hmm. moving upwards is, yes, a lot of the songs on the past two albums were very deep. They were very personal mm-hmm. and people will connect with them for that reason. Mm-hmm. But some people will stay in that place. It would be good to see you mm-hmm. go further. And this is where I'm at now. Yeah. Like, have the happy ending. Mm-hmm. And it's not always going to be a happy ending. There's the life has ups and downs. Yep. And, you know, if you're on an up right now, definitely, I think, go on that up and share it with people. Because yep. it's good to see, like, that the same person that is capable of writing a song like Blacked Out is capable of writing something that could be, like, you know, fucking Katy Perry firework right. like if I want to make that kind of song like you know and that's that's kind of are where you I promising us a Katy Perry firework <laughs> on the next I am. album <laughs> maybe I am uh, but like like I said like once the album is out it's not mine it's right. everyone else's but until then it's it's just for me and it's for him and it's for Craig and yeah. it's for you don't really go into it like thinking of what oh, are people going to like this because it's like the album that we did before, you know? Like, like there's, there's always those feelings of, like, you know, fear, like, are people going to like what we're doing? But, like, for me, I found it, like, Apartment, when I wrote that, that was supposed to be superficial. Like, that, that's, a to me... Really? Wow. Very superficial song. And, like, that's where I... Like, I, that kind of same vein is where I intend on taking, like, our next little batch of songs. 
And, like, to other people, it's not superficial at all. My mom, like, hit me up and was like, I am going through this. See, and that's one of the four songs that I've mm-hmm. picked to discuss later. Yep. And, and that, to me... Like, that's the reason why I'm asking these questions, because mm-hmm. I've sat down with some artists where I'm like, oh, my God, I connect so much with that song. What is it about? I, I don't know. It's just fucking words, mm-hmm. you know? So that, but you have that different dynamic. You have songs that are very deep, but mm-hmm. then you have one like that that you might necessarily not relate with, mm-hmm. but so many other people probably do, and that yep. just blows my mind. It's like you never know what, you never know what's going to turn people on and what's not, you know? Right. So that's, you know. All right, I'm going to give Addie a chance to ask some questions because I've been, I've been. Pre- no, I was. I'm just, I'm, like, this is, I'm just over here like this is wonderful. I've been listening to this all day. Like I've never I'm, heard Chris talk I've, like this I've before. I've never heard him talk this much. Like I'm, just you do you. Keep going. Do you have any questions? Um, not really. But just a comment here. I could relate 110 percent with every word that has come out of your mouth so far. And you know, I know how it goes. And you know, there's yeah. something to really be. You know, said about all that. So, uh, yeah, f- think what you guys are doing is wonderful, and uh, thank you, and congratulations. You thank know? you, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm going to move on to Brian now. So, uh, okay. we're, you're, yeah, you're not you're not <laughs> <getting all laughs> that easy. I just grilled her pretty good. Scott free. So, with you, when when you're playing, like, okay, let's talk. Let's go back to when you first started playing. When was that? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Dare I say, twenty years? <laughs> twenty years ago. Yeah, wow. I don't know, like I don't know, I was like ten or so. You know, that's why I started playing music, and I picked up a guitar, and then I hated it at first, so I started playing drums, and I really loved playing drums. And then, um, I was in a bunch of bands playing as a drummer for a while, cover bands, whatever, as a teenager, and then eventually I found a drummer that was way better than me, and I was like, you know what? And I didn't like all the people that I was playing with. Like, as a drummer, I was like, we're playing really bad music. So I just went back to playing guitar. That amazes me. You were like, yeah, this is this is not me. I put a lot of time and effort into yeah. it. So what was so, the first song you learned how to play on guitar? Oh, uh, it was either, I think it was, um, I remember this one situation where uh, I was playing, I, did, I learned a lot of Metallica. Because my dad, I hear that. My dad music. played guitar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that, and then there was a lot of Blink One Eighty Two on the other side. Wow. So, uh, so I really loved those kind of bands, but I also like I grew up just kind of listening to whatever my dad and my mom were listening to, you know. So my dad would listen to Metallica and Nirvana, uh, and then he had like a couple U two records, like The Cure, all this stuff, and then my mom would listen to country music, and then she had the, that Alanis Morissette record, which right. was like the bombshell for me like i've loved that record forever since i was like and it was like a guilty pleasure back then you know (laughs) as an 11 year old kid 11 11 year old divorcee woman yeah (laughs) but you should be really proud of yourself because i grew up on blink 182 and metallica and love those bands but it was funny because my first band was just with one other guy playing guitar and we would play cover songs of metallica because I liked Metallica, and then he liked Blink-182, so we'd play Blink-182. And then we ended up switching. He ended up being this huge metalhead two years later down the road, and then I loved Blink-182, <laughs> Sum 41, Jimmy Eat World, and then I get on, got into all that, you know, as a teenager. So that's kind of like, it was just really weird. And I think the, one, the situation I was talking about, the first, I remember um, I was a drummer, and my dad was taking guitar lessons. And that's like, we were really deep into this just as a hobby. And um, I was looking up tabs. That was what you did as a kid. You looked up tabs for music. 
and I played the System of a Down song. That uh, oh, what is that one? The really big one. The uh, uh, Toxicity. Chop Suey. Chop Suey. I learned that song. Oh, wow. And uh, my dad was like, "How? How the fuck do you do that?" <laughs> he was like, "You learn a song." Like, my son is a genius. He was like, "You learn a song so quick," and he was like, "I can't even play this." Like. You know, I've been trying to play this for like ten days, and I'm like, yeah, obviously, you know. And you, know. you actually gave up and on so guitar for a little bit. It was the first bit. time that I was like, yeah, it was the first time I was like, well, you know, I, that was when I hated. Yeah, kind of awesome. That was when I hated guitar still. So I was like, still wanted to be a drummer, but I would pick up a guitar and just easily play something. So he still does. As that. a musician, yeah, I Kills I still me. do that. I can't play drums, but I can make a drum part, and that's like kind of how I work in this band. Right. This is like, uh, you know, I write music and then i also like i have to write the drum part as well to my guitar part to make right. my guitar part make sense so like me i i grew up on metallica and blink 182 and i love their music but when with her vocals and the guitar that you're playing the guitar just sucks you in and takes you on a journey and everything lines up perfectly yeah, we like to kind of say that, like, the melody that he plays on guitar and the melody that I'm singing are having their own conversation with each other. And I think that's a very good way to describe it, because mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, listening to your songs, like, I get sucked in by the vocals, how I relate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then I go back and have to re-listen to the song over again, because the guitar, mm-hmm. it just, like I said, it sucks you in. It's a give and take, and you Dude, can notice ridiculous. it, yeah. like, as yeah. you're listening right. to the progression. If you listen to a lot of uh, blues players, they'll do that just with themselves. They'll sing a part, and then they'll play a guitar part answering to it, mm-hmm. or something. You know, that's, like, right. kind of how, how that kind of music works, and jazz and stuff like that, and blues. Blues especially, mm-hmm. I would so, say. So, like, In My Head and Blacked Out. Like, when you wrote those riffs, did you take a step back afterwards and were just like, oh, my God, look what I just made? Like, when did it hit you that, oh, shit, what I'm doing is amazing? Uh, it, it depends on what song you're talking about. Because uh, In My Head and Blacked Out came out two very different ways. Blacked Out, it took me forever to write my guitar part. Right. And I was kind of, it was done, like, musically, it was done in a practice space with all of the band there. And Chelsea had her guitar part. And we were like, that's a cool guitar part. Let's put stuff around that. And um, so I was working a lot with the drummer at the time because I knew that the song had to be driven somewhere. Right. So, like, I, I kind of do a lot. I kind of direct, you know, where w- what songs should do, essentially. Um, so at that song, I was like, well, my guitar part can, can be anything because I can just... I'll wait till, for the song to be structured and then and then do that. But you say and, that, and what, with what you've landed on in these songs is freaking amazing. I mean, you can't just <laughs> but be like, then, my guitar part can be anything. But like, then you mentioned uh, In My Head, which was like a straight up, that song was a jam that came out of nowhere, and I loved it, mm-hmm. and everyone else hated it. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? I wanted yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. Where are the rest Everyone of the band? Else hated it. And we were like, they were like, we're yeah. not using it. You we, need to listen to him. You we, need to listen no. to him. <laughs> nope. But then, well, the story goes on to be, we had the whole album almost written and we were like missing a song or, you know, and we had this demo of this song where we literally came up with the entire structure. It was a complete jam out that it was a perfectly structured song just off the top of our heads. Yeah, we right? didn't we didn't think we'd be able to like re-record it and get that same yeah. feeling. We never thought that we'd be able to redo it like that. Mm-hmm. So eventually we're listening to demos and she listens to the demo and she and then she calls me up and she's like, "Brian, we got to 
we got to use this song. And I was like, what? God damn, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I still regret that decision. What? But I don't. So the reason we ended up using it is because that song and Believe are in the same key. So when you loop the record, the record starts as it ends. They're the same progression, too. It, yeah, so All the, the record through. starts with like this like fade in, and the record ends with the same note fading out. So when you spin right. it, it it's, it's a continuous. But for loop. some reason, yeah. you, though they are in the, the same key... They're the same progression in the same key. They sound like two completely different songs. And I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And we wrote them on the same day. So while writing Believe, which was the song that we were like, this is a single, you know, we we thought that that was going to be the single for the longest time because that was one of the first songs we wrote. And it was just so catchy at the time for us that we were like, yeah, this is 100% going to be the single. And I don't think anything else is going to beat it. Um, Blacked Out came way later, uh, and in my in my head was kind of like this, the waste that came after, like it was like us still in the room jamming together after we wrote this, what we thought was an incredible single, and then it was just kind of like the waste that came afterwards, playing in the same key and just doodling around. And for a song that means so much to me, it's funny to know that backstory. I do not want to live in a world <laughs> where in my head is not released. Okay, Beautiful. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. You released it. Like, no, but yeah, it's it's kind of our least favorite song on the record. Yeah. But yeah, even even once we had like tracked vocals for the record, like there were some things that we went back and like I retouched and everything. And uh, in my head was still like I was like we recorded it, and I was like, what? I either need to re-record the vocals or I need to re- like write something completely different. So up until twenty minutes before like the final vocal session. I was, like, trying to rewrite it, and I was just like, I, I don't know what else fits here, so I'm going to go in and try to sing this as best I can, and if it turns out bad, we're just going to take it off. Wow, you guys just blew my yeah. mind. Because I'll tell you, that's the first song that I listened to by you guys. Yeah. And I, I, of course, listened to it, like, five or six times. I was like, I love this. And then oh. I started to move on to the other stuff. And now that's, like, the well, song I listen to least. It's a perfect <laughs> opener for the record, and that's kind of why we chose it. Yeah. But as a song, we were like, it's... The, it was like the most poorly put together of all of them. Like, right. just as as far as our quality control. I'm hearing goes, in my like, head right now, just being <laughs> like, no. It turned out it turned out way better than I ever gave it credit for. It, so. It's also since it's the first yeah. song on the record, you're like, that's a lot of people have that same reaction mm-hmm. of like, I really like that song because it's their first impression of the of the right. record. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it once again, that's a deep song, but at the same time, like. The lyrics are very deep, mm-hmm. but the guitar and, and all the instrumentals going on behind it, it's kind of in a way like uplifting, mm-hmm. but the lyrics at the same time are, hey, there's something serious going on here. I'm feeling this way. Fun fun little writing bit if you haven't picked up on it. The second verse mm-hmm. is the first verse backwards. I, You know what? Now that you said that, I noticed <laughs> I've got it now. She does a lot of that. Yeah, I like to do that. <laughs> trickery. Black yeah. magic and trickery. Because it's like the same words give you a completely different feeling. And right. also... She's like, you're just was, like, hey, Chelsea, can you write a second verse? She's like, oh, yeah. Backwards. Just, backwards. <laughs> like, well, just see what happens written. if I do yeah, this. I've give already, me a pencil for a few seconds. Yeah, but it's a it's a cool trick to use with a song of a structure kind of like that. Right. And, and it, it just cracks me up because a lot of bands would kill to have a song like that. And you guys are like, eh, it almost didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of convenience. We needed a first song and it, yeah we just kind of threw it in it's there. weird how those things work because then people connect really well to certain songs that you're like 
oh, that one was so hard to write. You know, yeah. that one was so hard to get together but and artist- record and stuff. Artistically, for us to have the record start and end in that way, and it's kind of like a sun up, sun down kind of right. feeling, and to have that like kind of continuous loop for us was just very, very important. And that's why that song like made the cut to begin with. And that and see that's beautiful because you were thinking about the whole album there. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of a concept album. Did you guys ever have that impression while you were going through it? Like maybe the songs we, are in a certain I think, order? I think everything every record is a concept record if you write it well. You know, because it's like and it doesn't have to be like a concept like, you know, like a angry alien from outer space invaded right. Earth and you're the only hero left. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a, that kind of concept, but, like, I think any record, like, you know, our record was written about a certain period of my life during certain things were happening, and, you know, if that's a concept, cool. For me, it's just a chapter, right. and that's kind of how I like to think about it, is, like, you know, sometimes records for bands are full books, and that's you know, totally acceptable, do what floats your boat. For me, each record is, like, just a little chapter in my life of, like, you know, Wonderlust was... You know, this was this was going on. Hold your love. This is going on. New stuff. Something else will be going on. And it's just, you know, we I write, you know, like a journal. But there's always going to be things in there that like aren't true. Like, you know, there's always words that you have to use because they fit well and they get the point across. But, like, they're not, you know, necessarily... It's not necessarily part of the story or what really happened. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, if, you know, talking about, a, you know, a, you know, a her instead of a him in lyrics makes more sense. Right. You know, you talk about a her, whether it's a him or a, you know, it or a alien or whatever. See, and with me, how I relate to the songs, even if a lot of the lyrics you would change to him, mm-hmm. like, it still, to me, would have been maybe not, you know, this is what I went through with this gender, mm-hmm. but the story of it yeah the story of it is what i connected with and Mm -hmm. i was just like my god whoever wrote this has experienced what i've experienced Mm -hmm. in life and that's the most important part is just like telling the story properly and making sure that that gets across because like you know at the end of the day when i'm on stage i'm an entertainer and when i'm not i'm a storyteller and like you know i can tell any story that i'd like to tell and i can tell it as fictitious or not as i'd like and but that has no effect on the listener. It has nothing right. to do with how you perceive it, or you perceive me, or the band, or or anything. Because that's for you. The rest of it is, you know, my secrets. And I, I, I think it's important to note at the same time that part of what, like, even if twenty five percent of it's true, mm-hmm. that twenty five percent that's coming from your heart, mm-hmm. that's what makes it real. Exactly. It's it's the you know the heart of the story is what always has to be taken care of and kept like you know with integrity has to be defended and and displayed correctly and the rest of it that's not like the heart but it's like kind of the frills to make you understand the heart can be what it needs to be gotcha Mm -hmm. all right so we're going to take a break real quick because i want addy and benny to ask some questions because i've been jabbering (laughs) before we actually go into the songs and breakdowns and what they mean to me so we'll take a break and pay some bills that's what you normally say we're gonna pay some bills commercials <laughs> you can fast forward through the commercials but uh no you can't <laughs> don't, don't do that. that it's gonna be jamie porter Mikel roy's uh dirty bourbon so perfect then we, then we can fast forward for the, <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, don't, don't fast forward no chris that's bad okay well all right so we'll see you in a few seconds my name is Jamie Porter McElroy. I'm the owner of Dirty Bourbon Printing Company here in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland. I make shirts for bands. 
I was bitter and jaded and tired of paying money for something. It's just incredibly difficult to work around when you're a band and you need to buy a hundred shirts. Started printing my own shirts and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just start doing this for other bands too, because they've got to be just as miserable as I was. And now I'm a full-fledged printing business. The goal is to give local musicians and touring musicians the means to buy merch so that they can keep being successful as bands. How many times have you gone to a band's EP release show and they don't have a merch setup that looks anything like what they look like on stage? You know, being cohesive in the vision from merch to the live set to offstage work, any of that stuff, like I'm here to help you with that. I go above and beyond to help my bands out. I wrap their shirts before I send them out to shows, make sure the print looks good on the shirts, I make sure everything is meticulously planned out for these bands, making sure that they can sell their merch just as well as maybe I could sell their merch. All the time I see bands, they do an EP release show, an album release show, they look awesome on stage, they pay for the lighting, they pay for the sound, they pay for, you know, the, the equipment, whatever the means are, and then you go to their merch table and it's just a shirt and a CDs like thrown on a table. And I want local musicians to have what regional and touring musicians have, and I want touring musicians to have what national bands have. And my goal is to help bands. So the cool thing about Dirty Bourbon is we have no minimums. And what that means for bands is you can have a, a greater variety of shirts at your merch table without spending a great amount of money on it. You can test out your shirts to different markets of people and see what's selling in what city and what town, whatever the case may be. If you're trying to take this seriously and go to the next level, let's talk about how we can make your merch table better.
so we're back and I do want to bring up one thing we discussed during the break okay so the lyrics are something that that really tell a story or emotional deep and and hit me like they, they there's something that bring me and I can connect with but the other part of that is and this is very rare for a band the guitar yeah. and like one of the things we discussed while we're upstairs is just like singing like me as a singer when I sing I've got to be able to put my heart and soul into a song and connect with it and I can tell with the guitar when you're playing you're doing the same thing like that's coming from your heart you have a bleeding heart that's that's your heart putting it out there yeah uh, that's I mean that's uh, kind of what I was talking about before with my dad when the story about you know when I learned the system of down song right. you know and he said that you he basically was saying, you know, you're a natural at the guitar. And, you know, I wanted so badly to be a drummer. Right. And I soon, you know, later on realized that I was, it was natural to me to play the guitar, to maybe play along with the drummer. So, um, you know, I've played in bands uh, for years. Uh, and when I found Chelsea, I kind of saw the same thing in her as a songwriter. Uh, and she was already in a band, um, and all the members did not equate to her level of, you know, what she was doing. Right. So I thought that, you know, it, I could write songs for her, you know, help her write songs that are, and help her write vibes that she could sing to that I thought were more, you know, suitable for her. Right. And and <clears throat> with Chelsea, obviously, we spoke about her, we touched on earlier, is the lyrics, like she connects with them she sings them they come from the heart like the guitar you can tell that too like it's almost like you both like this is why i'm dying to see you guys live because i want to see you guys in that moment both of you seem like you go to a different place Mm -hmm. absolutely like i was saying before like when performing you have to you have to get there like you have to take that energy of like everything that you've gone through everything that that song is about and for that you know three and a half four minutes you have to live there and like you know like i was saying about the blacked out video like you can see in the video like in that red room like the emotional places that i was kind of going like acting wise and you know where the director was pushing me to and i have a a friend who's an actor up in new york and he saw the video and was like when you play you have to you should go there and I think for, you know, for the whole band, like, that's just kind of the mantras, like, you know, even our bassist, like, when he's playing, kind of just holding it back and, like, looking down, but he's still, like, feeling that, and mm-hmm. his hits tell it more than his body language. I think, Brian, your your body language and you perform is same as mine. It's very, like, in there, and I think that's really interesting to watch when and, you watch I'm talking about Craig, too. Uh, Craig was in her old band as well. And he was kind of a replacement member for bassist after bassist. And, and her old band had, you know, member changes, you know, and people that just didn't live up to what the music, that the songs that she was actually writing. So when this band has also been a huge building process, especially when it comes to drummers. But uh, Craig, we actually taught how to play bass. For, he didn't play bass before her band and I've known her when she was in her old band too. So we used to work together when they were an, when they were in a band together. So when when she found Craig <coughs> oh, excuse me, he didn't play bass. So we literally taught him from oh, zero wow. how to play bass. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he 
kind of just knows our, he's our style. Mm-hmm. You know, everything we like about bass guitar, he, he does. Yeah. You know, right. and he does it just based off of what we've taught him, naturally how we've taught him. And then with drummers, it's the same thing. We've gone through drummer after drummer, maybe 10. Yeah, <laughs> over, I mean, we, we play with know. a ton of different drummers but, at this point. But the main thing about the entire band has always been, even when it's been her band, has been a building process of finding people that are naturals, right. you know, that can make a natural vibe behind the vocals that make the lyrics pop. You know? Right, mm-hmm. and, and and I think the influence and the passion that you guys have, you came across Craig as a bassist. Obviously, mm-hmm. like he wasn't a bassist, but you guys taught him. Like, look, this is this is what you we taught him do. the basic skills, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he, with his own music influences, and that's that's how you kind of teach someone how to mm-hmm. play, is you have to let them find themselves as a musician. He had to go through all of that stuff mm-hmm. that wow. you go through as a musician, and we, but we, it was like kind of an experiment, you know, for us because yeah. we were like. How do we get him to understand it how we understand it? Right. Being but, having been musicians for ten plus years. But the coolest thing is the three of us all just naturally understand music in the same way. Right. So like even if you know, even though Craig started playing when he was nineteen, he's been playing since he was ten, and I've been playing since I was eleven. There's not really that much of a difference between how we understand it and like the goals and and the strengths behind it. It's just we all really get the point of what we want to do right. and see see it the same which is really cool yeah. and i think even with like a bassist i think part with craig probably what you guys were looking for was not only that he was able to learn the material and do a good job with it that his heart and soul was mm-hmm. invested with it and plays like you sing and plays like you play guitar yeah. mm-hmm. like that that dynamic for you guys i know it had to be there yeah there was a there was a period with hold your love where craig wasn't in the band um, so he's not actually on a lot of the actual recordings. He's right. on a few of them. Um, and a lot of the record has to do with like that side of our relationship. Right. Um, but having him come back for the record and to be back in the band after you know, a year or two of like absence, like there is just something that was missing just very organically and like you know, the two of us can write all the songs we want and we can I can play bass on them, he can play bass on them, we can hire fucking Flea to do it. But it's not the same as having Craig's right. part in that as well because there's just something different. And luckily, like, the base for this record was not only written by him, but anything that wasn't finished by him was finished with him in mind. Right. So the whole record is, you know, <clears throat> as much of his DNA as we could get in there. And for him to be back with us and for that to be what's happening with the band right now is just really really good and right and back right. to how it started because it started with the three of us and you know we're back to being the three of us with better goals and more concise i want you guys to promise me something right now mm-hmm. when you guys come back in august mm-hmm. after you possibly may or may not release new material i want craig to be here oh yeah and i want Absolutely. craig to be here and craig has homework craig if you're, <laughs> well you're not listening right now but you will be listening you have homework you have to listen to this podcast We'll tell him. Yeah. We'll tell him. We'll grade him afterwards. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hand it over to Addie yep. to ask some questions. And then from there, she will let Benny know. Benny's going to ask some questions. Otherwise, we will be here till midnight with me just going back and forth with you guys. Now, one thing I do want to know, though, is like you were saying, so you like were teaching your bassist kind of on the fly how to play. So what did that 
how were rehearsals or band practices even working at that point? Like, what were they well, that, like? That was a kind of a long time ago. Yeah, that, that was, was like in okay. her old band. Oh, okay, okay. So Yo, by I the was time, like 19. Yeah, by yeah. the time. Okay, was like by 19. the time. But again, yeah. then more so, how does a typical like band practice run for you guys? Um, right now, uh, we hire a drummer for like touring mm-hmm. um, and for recording and writing and stuff like that. Um, so for us, rehearsal is planned in advance and we have kind of an itinerary and we're like we're getting ready for this set list for this tour right um or like you know after this we're gonna go just jam and do some writing and just play acoustic and kind of you know feel good about songs in in between shows like it is now it's kind of it's a little more relaxed okay Mm -hmm. and then like before like a tour before a show there would be like a set rehearsal you know Mm -hmm. cool um so with you guys having you guys do keep hitting everything <laughs> you guys having done touring have you guys like stumbled on like any favorite places that you've managed to go tour to or is it just a lot of seeing the insides of venues and asbury park new jersey yeah, has definitely. been okay. so kind to us um dallas texas we've only been once but that was it was awesome one for of the some biggest reason. crowds we've oh, played wow. to and it was like some random night but there was a a girl who came with her sister to that show who knew about our band and this is when we just had an EP out so we didn't even have the record out or mm-hmm. like any of that um, but her sister was like moving overseas or across the country or something the next day and the sisters came to our show and you know just kind of like sitting with them and hearing you know their story about why they liked this one song and mm-hmm. you know which is like the highlight of that tour for me Aww. so yeah yeah it's kind of crazy with the internet like anyone mm-hmm. can hear your band mm-hmm. you know from anywhere and then you can travel there and all of a sudden, and like you, it's like we didn't even know that anyone was going to know us there. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I'd also love to ask artists when they come on here, if you guys could work either together or individually with any famous artist throughout history, who would it be? Uh, Annie Clark, St. Vincent. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. dying to have her produce a Dreamcatcher record. Nice. I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Benny. Um. Do you guys ever get writer's block? Just out of curiosity. Totally. How do you deal with that when you do? Um, It usually means that you haven't lived enough life yet. Yeah, that's That's how we like to consider it. Like, uh, you have to live life to write a song, kind of. Right. You you need to have something to write about. Mm -hmm. And if you sit there kind of every day and you're, like, just mundanely doing the same, trying to write the same, like, okay, you're like, I'm going to write a song. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, fuck how am I going to write a song, you know, like, and you don't know what, what am I going to write about? You know, and you're asking yourself that that's always what's going to block you. And you Mm -hmm. have to like, you have to like, let it out. You know, it it usually means that you're blocking something from being let out. My next question was going to be, do you guys ever just, uh, have a day where you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a song or like, do you have to have the, uh, have to have the concept and everything beforehand think, in order to do it. I think we actually it. had writer's block, actually, when we were just writing these new songs. Yeah. Okay. We, we were writing with a new uh, a new producer that he, he mixed the record, but we never have worked with him writing music before. Mm-hmm. So the f- it was, we had four days with him. Okay. Only, only four days. In the first two days, we had just got back from this tour where we just had a horrible time. Yeah, our, our and, van broke down. The shows were fine. And oh, open. man. Yeah. Oh, no. And also, yeah, like, me terrible. and Chelsea, like, have been arguing about what, well, what should the next, what should the new music sound like? Mm-hmm. You know, like, we haven't really known yet. So we've actually had writer's block for a good while now. Right. And we, it was funny breaking through that because we actually had to talk about what we had, what we wanted to write 
mm-hmm. the kind of music we wanted to write, and we had to dis- uh, a good way to to beat that is to describe your music without using bands. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you like you're like, oh, I want to be influenced by so and so band or whatever. Yeah, but, but using, instead using words that are actual mm-hmm. feelings, like yeah. you want to be bold or you want to be, you know, you have anxiety or something like that. You use words to kind of. Yeah, to kind of describe those sounds and what your your intent is with those. Um, I mean, there's something to be said for just like taking an hour out of your day to go right. And sometimes that happens, and other times I go down to write, and I'm like, cool, I've got five to six where no one's home, and I can do whatever. And it's six o'clock, and I'm like, wow, I've just smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's that, and there's like, and that's super discouraging. But I think just like kind of, like you said, like living life and then just like kind of letting out whatever's like blocking you, like with withhold your love, like, you know, not in a healthy way. I drank a lot. And a lot of the lyrics started coming out when I was drinking because that, like, that wall that I put up is just gone. It's demolished because. I've had a little too much, but like there, there's something to be said for like stripping yourself of that and just being so emotionally raw and being able to put something on paper and then to be like, you know, cause when you've had too much to drink, you're excited. So then, you know, Brian comes home and I'm like, look at this thing I just did. And then the next day I'm like, listen to it. And I'm like, Oh God, like I'm, I'm upset. I'm going to have to deal with this, but at least I got a couple lines out of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And, um, my last question would be, um, uh, do you think that you'll stick with the genre that you consider yourselves now, or do you think that you'll break off into territories and have a departure from what you're writing now? Yes and no. Yeah, I think, I think at the core, we've always considered ourselves a pop band, and that might not come across to some listeners, and it might come across to others, but we've always been... We started this band with the intent of being a pop band. Okay. And for us, you know, that means that we're going to continue down that path. Like, we're not saying, like, we're Katy Perry or, like, Kesha, but we are a pop band. We like pop music. You know, Mm -hmm. we like all that kind of stuff. I think the important thing for the band, if you strip everything away, is just the honesty and the integrity of the emotion. And that won't leave because I can't write any other way. If we could write any other way, we might attempt it. But for us, like that doesn't change. Like the like the original formula and the original feeling behind why we do music will never change. The avenues which we choose to pursue it might. Like, you know, we might get more, you know, synthy or more electronic sounding, but like you're gonna hear Brian's guitar and you're gonna hear me sing about real life. Like that that's not going to change everything else could but like what i think people really enjoy about the band i don't think the heart of the band will change the heart is the heart and that's the important thing exactly and what body you put it in is irrelevant it could be in a supermodel or a robot and it's the same heart i mean the essence of what your band is is naturally going to come out as long as you have the exact same yeah as long as you don't lie and as long as you don't lie to yourself either because you know like the you know, Craig and Brian could go, and I could say I'm still Dreamcatcher. And as long as it's still Dreamcatcher, it is Dreamcatcher. But like, if it's all of a sudden, like you know, I'm singing about 
bitches and money, and <laughs> it's like trap beats. Because and I think we all. No, have I don't picture that. I, I don't think it would happen, but bitches and money are cool. See, I figured you guys would go to dubstep, not bitches. But and money. I think uh, <laughs> one day, I think, one day. I think the three of us all kind of have the same goals. And what she was saying is like, yeah, she could go on her own and do the same thing. She could still be writing pop music and still be experimental. And I think that we're gonna like. I think the new stuff is in, instead of you know saying that we're gonna be more poppy. Is that we? Yeah, we might be more popular. But we're also going to be even more experimental with it. Right. You know, we're going to take the the things that we do and then just expand on them, expand yeah. on the dynamic, and like, expand on. Like all we have that. a we have a demo that sounds like like a, a Western shootout right now, and it's my favorite thing that we've ever written. Huh. And it's like ridiculous, and it doesn't. But it's like, so poppy. It's so cool and so pop, <laughs> but it's so weird and avant garde, and like you're like. 20-year-old me would have been like, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the me now, I'm like, no, we're all this in on fits, this. So. And I can't wait to do it. And I you think know? part yeah. of the reason why you're able to do that is because your your albums, you've put out so many songs already, mm-hmm. and you've done them, and you've played them live, so now you might be a little bit more open to trying something you weren't open to when yeah. you first started. absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's like you listen to a lot of bands like, I mean, you guys know Jimmy Eat World, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, all their albums sound a little different, but they always sound like Jimmy Eat World, you right. know? So I think that, like, there's always going to be that, you know, w- the what we like about music is always going to stay the same, but then the music that we like is going to change along the way. Yeah. You know, like, I think we like bands now that we didn't even know about, like, two years ago when we wrote Hold, Hold Your Love, so... Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for, like, you know, like an artist, you know, will bring St. Vincent into it. Like, her original, like, her first few records compared to what she just released and even the record she won a Grammy for is like completely different than this pop record she just did which is like in my opinion her best and most honest work but it's like the poppiest thing but it's it's like the heart of her catalog is like she's showed more of herself on the poppiest record than she right. did on like the one that I would be like all the instrumentation that I would do on a record like that. I would be like, "Oh man, like so much of myself is in this." But it feels like again, there's like kind of a wall up in her earlier work to where now it just feels like she's like she's opened up. Yeah, this, yeah, Cause, and because it doesn't feel like this is the last thing. This is the next thing. It mm-hmm. feels like this is what I learned up until like "Hold Your Love" is what we had learned about music up until that point, mm-hmm. right? And now knowing what we know now after after have d- done that record, you know. <laughs> like now we know way more and we can do something else you know like right something that we couldn't have done prior you know what i appreciate the most about you two and it, of course it comes out in your music you guys are sitting here on the same fucking wavelength like you're just there's <laughs> definitely a fucking connection there and i love that and that's i, I think would hope so <laughs> that's what that's what brings the fucking music to the table and it's magical mm-hmm. like getting away from the music and just outside in real life like you guys are connected like mm-hmm. oh, yeah. whether it's spiritually or you what do they call them uh, soul or soulmates whatever yeah you guys would freaking, you consider wow. us soulmates brian i think so i would hope so <laughs> <laughs> you guys really you really connect and i think that that helps your band as well you know just being able to put out material that mm-hmm. that's from the heart mm-hmm. and being able to see that outside of spotify or listening to the music that's amazing to me oh thank you so all right you guys like, we, any more yeah, questions we. no they, good. they ran through a whole interrogation 
<laughs> Speed probably wasn't as bad as mine. <laughs> Quick lightning round. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to go ahead and we're going to listen to the first song that I've picked by D R M C T H R. Doctor MacArthur. Doctor MacArthur. <laughs> Dreamcatcher, and that is Black.
culture. And one of the things I had promised the band tonight is because the lyrics and the guitar, the music speak to me so much, I want to be able to kind of give a present to the band, even those not at the table right now, and explain to them how much your music has touched me. Uh, last year around this time, I was actually with an ex-girlfriend who was addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, I mean, she was being trafficked on the streets. Uh, I explained to Benny earlier and Addie, mm-hmm. I know nothing about drugs. I know nothing about heroin. And how I figured it out was one day I took her to a doctor's appointment. And that doctor's appointment was at a methadone clinic. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. At the time, she asked me not to come in. I was like, okay. I stayed out in the car. I figured it was gynecologist, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she comes out, and I get her in the car, get her home. We hang out all day. I went to work that night. I worked night shifts. And got on Google, and I was like, that was like the weirdest doctor's office ever. Like, there were people going in and out. Like, you know, I, I looked up the address mm-hmm. on Google. And after I did that, I realized, like, I saw a methadone clinic. I'm like, what the fuck is methadone? Mm-hmm. So I Googled methadone, and I found out that's actually a treatment to get people off heroin. Mm-hmm. At that point, I called her father, and I said, look, you know, I don't know if I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a little bit of backstory: Her and I were together, like, three years prior. Had a great relationship. Beautiful girl. She has two children. Beautiful, like, just wonderful mother. Like, mm-hmm. if you could think of the picture-perfect mother, it would have been her. Helped me through a very rough time in life. Um, due to some of the things that were going on in my life, I necessarily was not invested in the relationship the way I should have been. She mm-hmm. cheated on me. And when she cheated on me, I just kind of was like, all right, I'm done with you. Cut yeah. her off. Stop talking to her. And after I found out what had happened, like, what she went through, like, being hooked on heroin and whatnot, I felt guilty about that. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I was kind of immature. I could have handled that definitely a little bit better than I did. So when I was talking to her father and he relayed this information to me at that point, I was like, you know what? I I need to try to help her. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the lyrics to the song were you know about i'm on my knees begging Mm -hmm. you i actually i I went to the house she was staying in and this girl at this point probably weighed about 90 pounds um i remember when i when i first saw her like it was like i did not even want to hug her Mm -hmm. because just the grip that heroin has on somebody like i knew something was wrong that's part of the reason why i went to google and figured things out um and we were in the car, and I was like, listen, you know, she had scabs on her arm, and I was like, you know, on her hand, I was like, look, I was like, you didn't fall. That's mm-hmm. not where they came from. She, of course, broke down and started crying. I got out of the car, and one of the big lyrics that <clears throat> really speaks to me in that song is when you say, "I, you know, down on my knees, mm-hmm. I'm begging you, please. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did. I begged her to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting her into rehab, Shepherd Pratt, and she seemed like she was doing good for a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At that point, she dropped out of it and, you know, started doing the heroin again. I kind of took a break from the situation. This was after about seven or eight months mm-hmm. of me being involved, getting her there every morning, trying to get her help. I took a break from the situation, and she had run off um, 
what I eventually found out was she was being trafficked. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a gentleman, and I have no problem releasing his name on the podcast, Dante Farago, who was trafficking her down in Baltimore and getting her the heroin she needed to just get help. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that, like, when somebody doesn't want help, you can't force yourself upon them. So I stepped back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was last July, towards the end of the month, I received a phone call from her. And she was like, listen, I need you right now. I'm in rehab again. I'm getting clean. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but I need you here with me. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I was kind of throwing it back and forth in my head. Do I want to, you know, I've already tried to do this once, but I'm very close with her father her daughter and her son. She has two beautiful kids, an 18-year-old boy, mm-hmm. 16-year-old girl, but love their mother. So I decided at that point I was going to try to help her. And I ended up going to her father's apartment, which they were not making rent. Um, the electricity was turned off. <clears throat> I stayed there with her. And, uh, you know, another big part of that song that really touches me is she was she'd gone through most of the withdrawal but it was afterwards like Mm -hmm. the still the cravings the nightmares the sweats not sleeping um i wanted to lay next to her so badly and just put my arms around her and be like everything's gonna be okay hold on but i couldn't Mm -hmm. like out of respect to her i slept on the floor um that went on for about two or three months but there were plenty of nights where i would actually you know, I would be able to hold her and hug her. And one of the things that, that that song right there that really gets me is, and the lyrics, you might have to repeat them, where she says, you know, it kills me where... It kills when me you, when you say so, to me, baby, I want to die. want to die. Mm-hmm. And those were exact words. Like, yeah. when she was going through that, she was telling me, I want to die. And mm-hmm. I'm telling her, please, just please let the light in. Mm-hmm. Push the dark away. So the second I heard that song, like... I've never connected with the song so deeply where it described the exact experience that Mm -hmm. I, you know, that I went through with this person. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, while it's not, you know, it may not have a happy ending, you know, I, I don't know where she's at right now, whether she's doing well or not. I did not feel alone anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thank you both for that because for me, I've never had anybody be able to relate to that experience I was in where I was trying to help somebody and Mm -hmm. I could just see the world caving in on them, just everything. Uh, Some more of the lyrics in the song, like, can you, can you go through them? Because there's so much that relates. Any, any specific moments you want me to recite them? Uh, First and foremost, thank you for sharing your story with me. I really want to appreciate it. Um, And two, I'm sorry to hear you went through something like that. Um, and three, you know, no one's alone in that. Whether it's her battling that demon or you trying to help her battle it, there's so many people who do that. I mean, when I was going through shit like that, I had him here and, right. you know. Um, I went through a similar situation with my brother, so. Yeah, 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 and there's been, there's all, you know, unfortunately, and I don't, I don't, you know. When we put out Blacked Out, the first thing that, like, our publicist said, like, oh, we can use the mental health angle. Right. And that's their job. Um, and I'm grateful to them for working with us and, and everything like that. For me, this song is not about pushing a mental health angle or anything like that, And which is why we didn't say, like, you know, we didn't release it with right. some, you know, phone number to call for depression or something. 
um, we released it with a video that I, I thought was really powerful and spoke to something like what you went through or what I went through or what you've went through, Brian. And, um, you know, I think so many people are going through this. And, like, I, you know, I went to high school in Harvard County and Harvard County. Where'd Maryland. you go? That's where I I'm went from. To, I went to see Milton. I was at Falston. All right. Oh, all right. wow. Yeah, Harvard but, County Falston? Yeah, yes. but Harvard County, is, <laughs> Harvard County is not doing well. And no. I have, uh, I'm the oldest of five. Um, and my youngest sibling is, like, in middle school. Right. So I'm a big range of it. And uh, luckily, my parents moved to Massachusetts. But when I moved out, I was terrified they'd stay in Baltimore because of those issues. And I have a little sister who's on her uh, sophomore in college now. And luckily, she hasn't dabbled with anything like that. She's just a normal sorority girl drinking too much beer, which is thank God. Um, And I have two younger siblings that are healthy and okay, And, you know, I'm eternally grateful for that. And that's. You know, for me, especially as like someone who I want to be a role model for them, and I don't want to, I don't want them to know. You know, I do drugs or whatever, and I right. do. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie about that. Like, I, you know, psychedelics are great, and I smoke right. a lot of weed, and I drink a bit. Um, but there's did, a big difference. There's between a big those difference. And, yeah, in yeah, something definitely. like heroin, and you know, I I took a lot of painkillers when I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I was really worried about, am I going to take these because my fucking mouth hurts or am I going to take these because I want to take them right and for me like I remember getting down to that last one and I was like my mouth hurts so bad but if I save this like I could have a really good day later and it was just like it's one of those things where people who have been through something like that or know someone who have like every time they see a pill like that they're going to think like what does this one actually mean and it's a scary thing but like it's it's truth it's it's what you know people in our culture are dealing with and it's a big epidemic and it's something that you know kids need to know that they're role models like you know i i kurt cobain is a fucking god but if he overdosed on heroin and shot himself like right. he overdosed on a drug and shot himself and you know suicide isn't something to trivialize or make light of and you know i think i think 99 percent of americans and anybody in the world has thought about it at least once I think we're lying if we say we don't. But for us to think of these people as our heroes when they have these demons, like we need to recognize that our heroes have these demons and lost to them. Right. And that there's something that we can do. And by them at least being open about it, we can learn from that. And we can learn from those, you know, you can learn from Kurt Cobain's songs like he wasn't good. Right. You know, and like you can hear that in my songs. Sometimes I'm not good. And I think the most important thing and that I've been preaching since we put Blacked Out out is you're not alone and not feeling good. Right. And I think that's the most important thing to realize is that like whether it was you or the person you were with or a family member or a friend or girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, anything is that it's OK to not be okay and the important thing i think that you need that we need to cover here and this is this is very important for anybody listening Mm -hmm. um and not just for this reason but january 20 or july 20th will be the anniversary of chester bennington's death yeah um one of the things that they're coming out and saying now was there there were warning signs Mm -hmm. uh anybody who feels like that you know it's there's a point you can get past it and if you can get past it you become you can become a stronger person. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, and I'm going to go really deep here right now. You know, 
the day and the exact moment that my ex contacted me. Two weeks prior, my son's mother had given me about a week's notice and moved him to Colorado without my approval. Mm -hmm. Um, Not going to go any further than that story, but at that point, that's where I was at in life. Mm -hmm. When my ex contacted me at that point and was saying she needed help, the very second she contacted me, I was staying on a ladder with my belt around my neck in a garage about to hang myself. Mm -hmm. And that is what got me out of that experience the fact that at that exact moment that text message came through and she may not be okay right now and 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 not back on her feet but i have every hope in my heart that she is Mm -hmm. because i know in that moment what i was about to do and what needed to happen to break me out of it and i spent the three months that that song blacked out is how i spent those three months holding her Mm -hmm. trying to comfort her trying to tell her, you know, let the light in. Do not, you know, focus on the darkness. uh, I think we're all, like, in this crazy experience that we have no idea what's going on. And I think we thrive on helping people. Yes. So, And that's one of the things that helped me. That's a perfect example of describing that. Yeah. Was, you know. Something something like that and for something to pull you out of that, which, you know, I've I've been there. Like like I said, uh, when we were writing this record, I was you know drinking too much and you know driving a car and i shouldn't have been doing any of that and i would never do it again um but i mean i was i was telling brian earlier today like i was in the shower and you know life hasn't been particularly awesome to me lately but i was in the shower and i just started having these thoughts of like you're not good enough like those things that come up in any human and like it was the first time that i've ever been able to like you know so to look at that demon and be like you're not I can't deal with you right now. Like you can right. come back later and you can chop my legs off or whatever. But like for now you're not, it's you perspective. Can't be here. It's perspective. And, and that's what you need to learn to do. Like, yeah. like with me, I would have never thought a year ago standing in that garage where I was at, mm-hmm. that I'd be doing the things I'm doing today. And the only reason why I have a podcast and I'm in conversations with Kevin Smith, Ming Chen and Mike Zapsik about signing contracts and opening a studio in Baltimore mm-hmm. is because I made the right decision not to do that. And and when anybody is in that hit space where they're just locked up, you know. Just ask for help. Anyone can help you. Everyone's been through it. I think that's the most important thing to realize is, like, everyone has been through through it. it. Everyone has thought to themselves and looked in the mirror that I fucking hate myself and I want to die and I shouldn't be here. And my, my loved ones deserve better than me. But the thing is, is that that's not ever true you know and you know for me every time that i got close to doing something to myself i have four younger siblings right and regardless of anything like i don't want them to have to deal with the repercussions of my actions right and what would happen yeah and you know if that means you know it it sucks because like you know i don't want to like say that suffering is you know cool or anything but like I don't want them to go through anything worse right. than what I go through. And, like, they need to know that if they're feeling there that someone's been there. And, like, you know, I, I really do believe that people are lying about mental health and, right. you know, being a macho man and all that bullshit. Like, people are people. A, a guy feels as depressed as a girl. Like, right. it, you know, there's no, there's no more time to talk about anything other than the fact that, like, 
mental health is a real thing. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be taken care of. And we all go through it, you know. Right. And, and I, like, with me, I can tell you the big thing about Blacked Out. Like, that's something I've carried with me mm-hmm. until I've heard that song from you guys. Because in all the times I've told this story to my closest friends throughout the years, all the music I listened to, after hearing that song, that's the first time I was able to sit there and be like, you know what, whoever wrote this song, whoever's singing it, whoever's playing it, they get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel alone anymore after that, and I thank you both. Oh, man, thank well, you. Thank because you so that much. means the world to me, and my hope from this podcast is for other people to listen to this and say, God, you know, I, I feel the same way too. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not with your band. Yeah, even Maybe. if it's yeah. with anyone else, anything else. If you see a film that you enjoy or the fucking sky one day, like right. anything, like anything at all like i you know it doesn't matter if it's you find solace in a celebrity or a you know a picture or a painting or I mean, a fucking it can piece be of art. There's so much i mean you were talking about chester I right mean, yeah thinking park that first album you know i mean that for me that too. does it yeah that right. did it for me and, and that's point. something very personal to me that i've i kind of touched on a podcast we had to pull down but it will be going back up eventually i actually knew chester bennington back when lincoln park first started and a lot of people don't realize part of the reason why he's he had the issues he had was when Linkin Park made it big, okay, the rest of the band was getting paid out. Mm-hmm. Chester was going through a divorce and a custody battle. At one point, while the rest of the bands were buying their houses, establishing their life, and had made it big, Chester was living in a one-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And a very unique perspective into his life that I'm fortunate to have had that I had no clue I would be going through the same thing years later with my children was the fact that I couldn't relate to what he was going through, but him and I were friends on MySpace. Eventually that turned into text message conversations. He confided in me. He told me how he was feeling mm-hmm. and we lost touch after that period of time, but he got through it. But with Chester's music, what means so much to me and and just the heart and soul that he put into his vocals the very like same demons that i'm battling right now and have been battling he helped me get past just like your music has helped me get past uh and accept and rationalize but at the same time those demons are the very same demons Mm -hmm. that ended up taking his life in the end yep and that's why it's so important for people just to realize when you're in that situation, you just have to hold on. There will be a brighter day. Yeah, You've just... got to get through that 15, 20 minutes while your head's there mm-hmm. and and just come through. Yep. Because if I hadn't have done that, and granted, I give my ex a lot of credit for that text message because had she not messaged me, probably would not be sitting here having this podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Um Sitting here now, though, I could never imagine that I'd be doing the things I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. And for anybody listening to this podcast, that's what you need to realize. You have those thoughts. You have those feelings. This is somebody who's been there, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yep, someone else who's been there. And, you know, like I I feel the same way. Like there's things that I can't imagine I'd ever be doing or the people I'd be working with or talking to or – that would give me the time of day. I never, you know, like the, you know, someone that we write with, he's the drummer right. for Dashboard Confessional, like right. selling out fucking stadiums, you know, right. like, and yeah. those are the people that I get to interact with and I'm lucky enough to work with. 
and if I would have succumbed to those demons, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. But those those are real, and those situations are things that need to be discussed, whether right. it's, you know, and you have to get it out, whether it's a podcast or a band or a, yeah. a, a painting or a photograph, anything, a poem. Right. You can get it out through there in that 15 minutes if you just put it to paper, like, it could save you. And, like, that might be dumb, naive advice, but for right. me, that's what's worked. And, yeah. and and the next song that I'm going to go into, of course, is Jenna. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm going to go into that song is because, like, part of me being able to have this conversation with you guys, obviously I've moved away from where I was a year ago, mm-hmm. but I never got closure from that situation. Mm-hmm. And part of hearing your music was, wow, somebody else, like, somebody finally is fucking getting this, has yep. been through what Someone I've been through. Someone else didn't get that closure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I feel like Jenna... Mm-hmm. Is is it about, like, not having closure? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I worked Brian's for... Brian's like, whoa, he really fucking studied yeah. our shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, uh... No, but this... Yeah, you'll like this one. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I worked for a terrible company in a mall for my later high school years and into, like, early adulthood. Hollister. Um, Ooh. Don't talk. Wasn't about Abercrombie? That. It was Hollister. It was. A, it was a Hollister. You hear that, kids? Don't buy from Hollister. Don't, no, I was going to like. Is, <laughs> save like, that it's money. A GameStop or it's a Hollister. It's like <laughs> or an Abercrombie and Fitch. Those save, are the big three. Save yeah. that money and buy Dreamcatcher albums. You should. Uh, the the perfume will give you. It'll make you high. Um, <laughs> Don't tell them that. It really will. <laughs> it won't in a good way. It, no, not in a good way not at all. Not at all It'll in a you, good way. I smelled like Hollister for years. It stuck to everything. Oh, everything. You still do. Every, I was yeah. wondering when I you came in. I was like, was yeah. <laughs> Who is this 27-year-old grown woman smelling like a child store? Um, <laughs> anyways, um, I used to work for a, a Hollister. And um, I had this assistant manager named Jenna. Right. Um, and she was someone who just straight up had such a huge impact on my life. Like she was went to college and she was someone I confided in. And even she fucking stole my phone and put it in the safe one day because I was using it on the sales floor. I was so mad at her, but like I, I got it. And when right. like she gave it back, it was hilarious. And like, you know, there were times where like we went to these parties and like there were bonfires and I'm like underage and I shouldn't right. be doing any of this. And you know, she was letting me and like, you know, but in a, in a good influence way, like not, right. you know, letting me drive home, like, but like, you know, she was doing it the right way. She was doing it the right way and was a really good influence and someone that I not only respected, but looked up to. Um, and so there was a night where we were hanging out and I was not going to go to college. It just didn't seem like it was for me and I wanted to pursue music. And that was something that like, for a while I had like kind of disconnected with and so she saw a different version of me than the version that sits before you or that I always thought I was and um, so we had one night where we were hanging out and drinking and having some fun and you know we just got into it it was not a fun conversation and it wasn't anything that I wanted to hear and I don't know if it was easy for her to say to me or not um but it was a really weird conversation, and um, I left her apartment. It was snowing, and we should not have driven home right? Um, because of the snow, not anything else. Um, but because of the snow, we shouldn't have gone home, and we did. And that was the last time that I ever, like, spoke with her. Right. And so I found out 
I don't know, a little bit later that she was sick with cancer. And I knew then I should have reached out and I had too much pride and did not. Right. Um, and then I heard she was in remission and I should have reached out, but I had too much pride and I did not. And uh, we came home from the first like long tour that Dreamcatcher did, same where we went to Dallas and mm. had that experience. And the tour wasn't wasn't great we were supposed to get paid a lot more money than we were going to and the person who organized the whole thing did a terrible job um so we came back from a six week long tour where i was reconsidering my entire life and the day i got home i found out she was dead um and i found out that you know i found out her funeral and everything like that and i couldn't go and i saw her uh, i guess she married him but the boyfriend that she was with when i knew her and um that night he was like basically like pulling her off of me like you gotta leave her alone like quit freaking out and so he was kind of like the guy who like neutralized the situation um i saw him out one night and i knew he recognized me and i recognized him but we didn't right didn't didn't talk um but yeah that song is something that haunts me to this day is that i just never did anything you and, know and so her last name is like an al so right. the first contact on my phone is her name and it's been years and i can't you can't get can't rid of it. it and you know what way. that's so weird because my first contact is the young lady i was just talking about mm-hmm. and even though it's, it's a different story it's mm-hmm. very much the same yeah um one of the first things her father told me when i found out that she was a heroin addict he mm-hmm. said look he said you know she was very devastated when you guys broke up mm-hmm. her exact words to me were dad i feel like i just fucked up the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. much like yourself due to the way our relationship ended i at that point felt like i handled it the wrong way mm-hmm. uh yes she cheated on me yes she hurt me but i did not have to be as cold as i was yeah and one of the parts of that song was i just walked away yeah i hate how i let I hate how, how I, I left, left you. you. I just walked, walked away. away. And there's things I'll never get to say. Yes. And that that rings true to me because in that time period where I did that and just kind of forgot about her and moved on with my life, mm-hmm. my reaction to, yes, she fucked up, could have been handled better. Yeah. So at that time, I kind of related to, well, look, you know what? The reason why she's in this situation and started doing heroin and is where she's at is because instead of me being a man and saying, look, yeah, you screwed up, um, we're not going to be together, but I still want to be in your life, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I handled it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's one way to look at it, but another is you were just being human, yeah. you know? And I think, yes. that's, I think that's the most important part. Like, at any point, I could have called her and I could have said, hey, how are you? Like, we should right. get coffee, we should do something. And that pride gets in the way, but that's not because I'm a terrible human or because I did not care. It's because I, you know, right. because some of what so, she said was right and some of what happened was my fault. Right. And owning that <clears throat> is a really, really, really big pill to swallow is just like having that, you know, because she said certain things about my relationship and my, you know, what I wanted to do with my life that right. I to this day do not appreciate but that does not change anything about what she presented to me. And, you know, right. and I, you know, we, like I said earlier, we had a conversation with like our team about this song, particularly being a single. And I don't, you know, it's really hard for me to capitalize on right. the situation 
because like it's not something I want to make money off of. You know, I don't. That's not it. You know, right. she's. But you're doing it for the right reasons. You're putting it out there, and obviously you're doing it for the right reasons because it helps somebody like me. Yeah, and that's that's I think the the biggest uh, the biggest like message in that song, and with your situation and with both the situations is uh, like kind of like forgiveness is like the best healing. And if you had forgiven, maybe you would have felt better about the situation than you did had you not been so cold in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. But she has a, she has a bench like dedicated to her in ocean city or something. I haven't been able to go there yet, but like, you know, that's what the, now you've got your spot on the beach line kind of comes from. And you know, just that what, what's difficult, I think for me in that, that situation isn't my side of it any longer because I've forgiven, forgotten, you know, wish I would have done something different. I hope that, she forgive me like i right. i hope that that's you know she realized and i and obviously you know. i'm pretty sure she, you know she Ho- did hopefully like, you know she's enlightened now she's in a different place and yeah. of course she sees a bigger picture than you or i or anybody who was in the situation sees yeah. and, and and that's funny you bring up the spot on the beach because mm-hmm. with me what i related to that too was the escape yeah. of her doing heroin mm-hmm. and just not having to feel anymore you've yeah. got your spot on the beach mm-hmm. and even though it's a different scenario, one's heroin, one's cancer, mm-hmm. when you think about it, it's the same dialogue. It's the same reasoning. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what turns it into a – I mean, when you bring it back to just, like, the album in general, that's what t- turns it into a concept album is that, like, it's time after time. It's situation after situation of – and you can go through each any of the songs and we right. have a, an hour-long conversation about it, about, yeah. like, what the song's about and how it affected you. But that's what makes it a concept album is, like, how you listen to it and how you perceive it. You turned it from your story. Right. You connected your story yeah, to your each story song. Yeah, your story is now right. the concept of you the know. entire record. Exactly. Which is what, you know, I think is so cool about music is that, like, you know, there's records, like, Vertical Horizons record. I went right. through, like, a breakup in middle school of all fucking I, things. We, we must have all broke <laughs> up in middle school yeah. to that record. And all Ever, to Vertical Horizons. Vertical I'm Horizons. everything you want. Yeah. I'm it's everything like, you It's need. like I'm 12 years old. Like, that makes no sense to anyone. But it, it feels like that. And, like, to be able to put out a piece of work that is personal to me but ambiguous to everyone else. And that's like, kind of what I was talking about with, like, when the record is done, it's not mine. Right. And yeah. it's yours. But when you're making it, you're not thinking of, like, what people are going to think of the songs. You're just only thinking of, this is my situation, and this you don't care story. if, like, other people, like, relate to right. it. But then all of a sudden, like, you're going through these things, and all of a sudden, everyone else is going through the same situation. And it's, or it's, a situation that's similar that they can connect to it. It's cool because it also, and not cool, I guess, but it's amazing to me that another human kind of validates you know because your story validates mine right and that's and, how i feel yeah. that's why like the music connects mm-hmm. with me you put it perfectly yeah, yeah. it validates like part me. of writing a song is making a song that like where you can tell your story but also connect with someone else's story at the same time right you know it doesn't have to be so personal you know yeah. right and it doesn't all you're right it doesn't always have to be that way and i, I can tell you with jenna what gave me closure like i've carried that with me mm-hmm. and it's not something like you know i go home and i, I beat myself up about or i'm going to do something stupid mm-hmm. it's something i've carried with me looking for an answer yeah and when i heard jenna that the answer i needed the closure i needed at that point was hey you know what you're not alone somebody mm-hmm. else 
I found somebody else who's been through this because you know yep. as much as I do. You can talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. If they can't relate and they haven't been through it, they're just going to be like, well, you got to move on, you know? Yeah, just, and, just buckle just, up. Yeah, just buckle up. Just, buckle, uh, yeah. just get over it. You know, you gotta, can't think about that. But yeah. to me, the, hearing your music, like, that's why, like, I was so excited to have you guys on because I connect and I know, like, I can relate to the meaning behind your mm-hmm. songs. Yep. And then the melody and the, and the guitar and everything that comes into it, it just... It, Yep. It, it just nails yeah. my it's soul. It's just about the, the, my favorite thing about mu- being a musician, and especially as I've gotten older, and what's changed since I was younger, is just like that human connection is right. the most important thing to me. Because, like, as a kid, I moved around a lot. Like, I, you know, my high school reunion's coming up, and like, I don't know any of those people that I would even want to attempt it's to like see. Because it's like, eh, were you 98? No, I was no, 09. You're 09? Yeah, but... Oh, wow. It was, I'm showing my age. You know, but, but it's like one of those things where, like, you know, as a musician, I've found more people that connect with me than anywhere else. And, like, you know, I've lived in a lot of places and experienced a lot of different things. And, you know, I've never... I don't feel close with a lot of people, but right. you have stories like this and just, like, not knowing you two hours ago and knowing you now and we're having this conversation that you know is frankly very very important to have in times like we have you know it's to me mental health is as important as you know racism or sexism or anything like that they're all at the top of the list to figure out and it's important for other people to hear because i don't think like in general conversation or everyday conversation Mm -hmm. stuff like this comes up Mm -hmm. or the fact that people can relate to a music in certain way and have it heal them so i think by anybody listening to this that might be struggling or going through a rough time right now they can kind of listen to this and use it as an example, just like I did with your songs, your yeah. music. People need to be able to discuss this stuff and yeah. be open about it and say, listen, like I said earlier, like you said, the reason why we're here right now is because we've been there. We've been able to move past it. And we're telling anybody who listens right now, there's a brighter day on the other side. Yep. Just that 15, 20 minutes, fucking get through it any yep. way you can. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Outside of that, we're going we're gonna to move on because we're going on to 10.15 right now. We've been recording for an hour and 30 minutes. So we're going to take a short break, go to the bathroom, and then we're going to come back. And we're going to close on a high note. We're going to talk about some fun stuff, comic All books, right. Star Sweet. Wars, whatever you guys want to. All right. Cool.
everyone. We're back. And that was Jenna by Dreamcatcher. So we're, we, we just got very deep in the conversation here. And we want to we end on a high note, not a low note. Okay. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go off the cusp and we're going to talk about some other things that maybe Brian and Chelsea are into outside of music. Believe it or not, believe it or not, they might like other things. I don't know. I don't know, not much. Well, we do watch Star Wars, and we were just talking about Star Wars on the break, so we can continue that since that was going on. And for anybody listening, there will be spoilers, so if you've not seen Solo, like, like you you heard the podcast and the music portion of it, like, just stop now. Yeah, you can turn it off. So with Solo, what were what were your expectations going into it, Brian? Uh, um, I don't. I didn't know what my expectations were going to be, but I knew like once I saw it, I uh, they they hit on a bunch of things. Uh, like uh, there was a, a whole bunch of call, callbacks to the original, like how they met, right. how Chewie and, and Han met, and how Lan- they met Lando, and you know, all of those things were brought to the forefront. So the plot was kind of like in the background to that for me. Right. But it was really cool. Did you ever read yeah. any of the books like growing up? No, I didn't. No. Let me tell you right now, if, if you enjoyed Solo, you really should read, it's a trilogy, The Courtship of Princess Leia. Okay. It gets, it's, it gets really good and it visits a lot of what we saw in the movie. Um, one of the things I liked about the movie is it kind of like it, it stayed a lot truer to those books than any of the more current Star Wars movies have to the novels. So yeah. if you have some downtime, like, you know, when uh, you guys are touring and you're big and you forget all about CGN, the podcast yeah. you're on, you're on a tour bus, then, then it definitely seemed like they were going to put a sequel to it. And that was like the ending was what really got me because I was like, oh, you know. And, and and who was who was who was the big reveal? At the <laughs> yeah, end? that uh, that Darth Maul. Darth uh, yeah. Maul. Oh, so did they have? Did they have him? Uh, I couldn't really tell. They, did they? Did he have the little spider oh, legs? Yeah, he yes, he spider did. Legs. He, he, well, he had he had metal legs. They didn't do it like uh, the spider legs okay. like he had in the books or in what was it? Uh, yeah, Clone it, Wars. It looked weird Rebels. to me because I was like. He upgraded. You know? He upgraded, yeah. or and, and, and chronologically, that would have been between Rebels and. He had I was a- trying to think about it afterwards, and I was like, in Rebels, didn't him and his brother or whatever... I think that take, was Clone Wars. Take over... Yeah, and whatever. Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, Clone Wars. They took over that society. What was that? I, Dark I'm, Sun. Yeah. I'm not like so... So it was Black kind of like it was, it was like close enough to Crimson Dawn that you're like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I was getting yes. Crimson Dawn confused with them, and I was yeah. like... Is- this in that time or you know like i, I get where confused about we? it i was like where are we? i was trying to connect it but i was like what year is it yeah it totally turned me over on kathleen my head. kennedy give us a timeline please exactly well and, and that's what you did you guys follow rebels by any chance i watched a little bit of rebels but i didn't watch enough of did it did you to see like, the last few episodes no that's- i saw i saw that he got into that weird like little you know, like, reverb tank the, with Ahsoka, the Doohickey, right. and then uh, yeah, and then suddenly time travel was a thing, and, and then that's actually, like, that's wait, actually they got from into the time travel. They did. Wow, that's actually from the book. See, I wish they wouldn't have gotten into time travel because it's like the oh, Skywalkers but, should be like they, Anakin should have done that. They did it right, though. Did they, they do did it right? They did it. They did it. We right. can't be mad. 
and let me because we can be as Star Wars fans. I I hear that we can be mad about everything. Well, we're allowed to be mad <laughs> yeah, at everything. Just everything. Fire them all. So so get them and, off social media. And there is something I do want to. Yeah, I do want to talk about that. But I do want to tell you both. If you've not seen the last three episodes of Rebels, mm-hmm. do it. Do, do it. it. Do you, it. I can't remember what Ka- episode I got Kara to, but Fisher I got to when. I got to when Ahsoka kind of gets turned on and and then she starts running away. She got turned on. I missed that. No, I mean, like, uh, she, everyone kind of watching? turns. <laughs> yeah. Everyone Pornhub. I want to see that one. Brian's getting into freaky shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's blushing. We made Brian blush. No, but you guys, you guys really need to see the last three episodes. Like they're very, very touching. Uh, Kanan. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the last three episodes like puts an end to his story arc yeah. in a way that's just it's it's. Can so, they bring him back or he? Oh. He's gone. Ooh, that's an interesting it's answer. Worth, it's worth seeing. And then if Leia can fly, can <laughs> we're not going down that path. I will go on a tangent for two hours about how much we, I did not we, like. We discussed that, this. That we discussed movie. it briefly <laughs> so but and that being said you know star wars oh god there was, what were we talking about just a few seconds ago before i brought the rebel thing up rebels thing up um uh, come on somebody darth maul, darth maul yeah. no it was after darth maul it was in uh, between um oh we god. need the timeline the timeline what yeah. year is it yeah. yeah what year is it hashtag kathleen <laughs> I, I've lost it's it, gone. so we just yeah, it's gone. Okay. It's, it's out the window. The window's <laughs> open. The bird flew out. It's gone. So, but what was your favorite part of Solo movie? Oh my god, what was your favorite part? Oh, don't ask me this. You're, you're <laughs> the one being asked. Uh, I'm the being question. put on the spot now. Uh, well, I liked. I liked. Uh, I know her name isn't this, but I liked Leet. L three three seven. Oh yes. I thought she was. I thought she was fun. I thought if I had a droid, I'd want her to be like fucking with me like that. Well, you know, because she was like a badass bitch. She's like. And she was a feminist. Dude. She was a feminist. And she was freeing the goddamn robots. Well, you know what's even cool? And I am, if you've listened to this podcast, I've said robots at least four times. Now, I don't know if you caught the Easter egg, but when C-3PO went on the Millennium Falcon, he said... Yeah, and he was like, he he said, was like what's up with has, this shit? He yeah. said, yeah, this ship has a very interesting dialect. Yeah, and Leet is like... Leet bitch, is yeah. the mo- of course I do. No, yeah, it's all the things like that in that movie that were great to me. Yeah, like, that was like the fun of spot, it. I didn't even spot that one. Well, I went in. I and, went into Solo with like a clean slate. I was like, right. it can be whatever it wants to be. I have no expectations because Last Jedi. <laughs> After the Last Jedi, nobody me had. Up. Yeah, it's no like let's just take it away. Well, but like when but they, I liked Rogue One a lot, so I was like, I, liked it too. I was like, yeah. these side it, movies are going to be where it's at because they're going to be in the past. They're going to have the Obi-Wan. aesthetic of like what it's what Star Wars is right. to people, you mm-hmm. know. So like I thought the Han movie was going to be see, really the sweet, Han you know? movie sets up the Obi Wan movie because Maul is back. Yes, let's see what we saw in Rebels, but like. Well, wasn't with that the Clone Wars. That was the Clone plan, Wars? wasn't yeah. it? I, well, wasn't I the Obi-Wan the plan, and then they just scrapped the well, Star Wars so stories? I hear they haven't scrapped Star Wars stories. Okay. I hear that the trolls are just like I feel like they just want people shit. to not know what's going on. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You have people on YouTube all the time like that are constantly podcasting about Star Wars. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they might even get it right at times, and then I feel like they That's get listened the to problem. by these people, well, no, like, and they're like, you know what, we're not going to do that just because this... Stupid That's the problem, though, is with The Last Jedi, so many people were like, 
like, I mean, even me, and I'm not like the. There were so many people you know, predicting. Oh yeah, we're like right. watching. We, we were the same videos. way. We were so it was me and a friend, and I think we sent it to you. We had like we were doing like a red letter media marathon where yeah. we were watching all their theories, and then like we did a pre podcast for the last Jedi of what our theories we were. We got on yep. a binge then, watch so, of watching theories. Yeah, yeah you know, and we, we were did. making theories. And that's the yeah. problem with the last Jedi. I think if none of us had done any of that, we would have come out of the last Jedi. Had. We would have been like, that's that was sick. And when we saw Last Jedi, I was like. The problem with the Last Jedi is we kept watching people's theories. Yeah, you know, right. and I was like, and then the fan we fiction wasn't with, canon. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. problematic. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, the the other thing now, I just remember what we were talking about when you have oh, people came back? demonizing demonizing the actors oh. in the oh. movies, like. You can hate the I movie. I so bad for Kelly Tran. Because she is just a little... She is a ray of... Like, I follow yeah. her Instagram. She's a ray of sunshine. Oh, and, and I... And she was just one of those people where she's like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just happy to be here. And yeah. then, like, for everyone... But to I'm not happy to be on Twitter. I, I... I mean, you try acting in a Star Wars movie and having to say some of those lines. Oh, yeah. You know, like, right. It wasn't her, it was on, the writing. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, is, like, I was not a fan of that whole thing with her. Like, mm-hmm. I thought she was a fine character, mm-hmm. and I think the character could have stayed, and they could have done something way different. And she acted great. And she was amazing. Like, I was, like, when she first came on the screen, I was, like, I just want to put her in my pocket. Precious roll. <laughs> right. But that when was... she was riding the fucking Harry Potter horse, She's a I was, like, that's where I'm done. And this is and where it jumped not, the horse. It's not her fault. It's not her fault, because I like John Boyega, and fuck him for riding that horse. I would have told them no. I would have been like, this is no. not Harry Potter. I, I do not have a wand. You don't I, tell Star Wars no when they're no, like, here's well, your I, check. Look at I got that, Hamill. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, like, you know, I like Carrie. I like her. She's right. sweet. I feel terrible. Like, you know, I'm not the I'm not going to hit her up on Twitter and be like, you stupid bitch. Like, in right. your and thing, that's where Star Wars thing. That, yeah. that Force Awakens gave gave fans everything well, they, they wanted. Well, they did it with Daisy. They did it with Daisy too. She yeah. was off off Instagram before any of before any of this drop. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's what's you on. You couldn't just make that. You know. Here's the thing. Is here's the thing. <laughs> I am here Let's, for this. Here's the thing. What's unfortunate is that Mark Hamill or Ryan Johnson or John Boyega have not left Twitter. But guess who has? All the women. You know that, who gets treated really, really unfairly? The women. I just want to... That feminist agenda. That feminist that agenda. Pushing. These SGWs. And, Damn you know, it. I will say I'm probably a little more liberal-leaning, but I didn't really find those movies to really scream, fuck Donald Trump to me. I just want to say, okay, I did not attack... What was her name? The, the, the Rose? What's her real name? Kelly, Kelly Tran. Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. But I did deflect all my hate to Rian Johnson. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's, that fine. Is that's who, where you're supposed to direct yeah, the head. Yeah. He's cool with the that. But I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I hope you die in a car accident. I was yeah. like, you should never write for Star Wars again. Well, see, the thing is, is that I think he should, but just not any more Skywalkers. Nothing, nothing uh, canon. Like, I would love to see him actually do like the Knights of the Old Republic. I see. I if agree with that, you, and people do not understand. If he me. did that, I would make out with him, like straight up. Like, I, I it would wouldn't. be so good. I wouldn't. I'd I make think out he would do Rose, a great job. I would make out with him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just artist appreciate artists. But you see, I could see from a fresh I'd make perspective. Out with Van Gogh. A fresh perspective. I think that he would do great with Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Do I like? I I absolutely hate. I hate what he did with the Last Jedi. Like I hate Donald Trump. But 
I would at the same time like like to see him handle Knights of the Old Republic. Even though I've read the books, I think he'd do a good job with it. He's a fan. He is the first fan that made a movie. Yes. And if and he I'm fucked a, it up. I, I, you can feel that way. You can definitely feel that way. It's, oh, I feel that way. It's totally fine. But I don't think he did fuck it up as much as us crazy nerds think that he fucked yeah. it up. Because and it's not can, for us, you know. It's it's, it's for again, the next generation. Yeah, it's just it's, like these other ones, you know, like whatever the the prequels like and I shit, didn't you know? like, like Broom Kid. I thought are... Broom Kid. I wanted to shove that broom somewhere where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> I also don't like kids in general. Did you guys see it but, together? Oh yeah. yeah. Was she cringing during those scenes with Broom Kid? I couldn't yes. tell. I was like, I was like, this I don't is gonna know be the next oh, dream catcher we, song. We were we like next to each other, but I was like, we were silent. And we I was left like, and I, was I don't pissed. know if she likes this or hates this. I yeah. And I was like. I don't know if I like this or hate this. That was yeah. and like yep. it was, she was like weird, don't talk to me. It was a really yeah. weird feeling, and we walked out of there like next to each other. Yeah, just we were like, like I don't know how to feel. Like so I Mina, felt yeah. yeah. Me and a friend did that, and I was I said to you and, guys, on and the I break. was like, and yeah. I asked her, I was like, you know, like you know, you're walking out of the movie theater, you know, with a friend, and you're like, what, so what did you what did you think? And she's like, I can't talk. Right she's now. like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, I need like eight hours. Yeah. And so we get home, and he's like, so what did you think? And I'm like. Tomorrow we, we couldn't talk, talk until like exactly. two days later. Uh-huh. That's exactly yeah. what I went through. Like the we were night, like, we need to think about it, like, and then I need we to see it like eight more times. And the night I yeah. saw it, that was the same thing. Like, we saw it I again, and then we actually it. were like, we like it. And then we saw it again, and we were like, we don't know if we like it. <laughs> see, here's and then the we thing. and then we when it came out, and we we you know like so when the Force Awakens came out, we would watch it like every day, basically. Yeah. Like we right. were watching it like over and over again. And then it's great to fall asleep yeah, too. Exactly. And then uh, all of a sudden, when we started doing that, we were like, "When the Force of Wings come out, we were gonna finally have a new movie to watch to go to sleep to." <laughs> and then like, uh, it came out, and we watched it for like three days, and we were just like, "Yeah, I don't think I like this movie. I can't <laughs> sleep." <laughs> before before we get into anything else, um, I remember the first time I saw it, that first scene with Hux and Mister Dameron. I fucking hated that. And the second time I saw it, I was like. Yeah, the this humor was crazy. Funny, but the humor was so cringy the when first time I saw it. When you can get your mom joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was too much. It was way too much. And I was like, the originals and had humor, but of, it wasn't this bad. It was like... They said a lot of curse words. Yeah, they like, did, did in the beginning. Like, did you clock that? Yes. They clocked a lot of curse words in well, the Well, they were like, Jedi. we're going to be different. We're going to be different. They, they and said, like, they damn and hell. Different. And I was like, hell is not in Star Wars. Like, I've never heard anyone say God. Maybe I'm wrong. But have they said God in Star Wars? Hmm, that's a good question. We because might have to they've Google said that. hell, and if they've said hell and never mentioned I God, think, I say that's interesting. I don't think that they have ever said God in Star Wars, but we're going to have to Google that. Gonna, what else did yeah. they say? Where's the research hell. department? Poe did they say any hell. other curse words? Yeah, they said damn, did which is the shit? worst one. <laughs> damn's the worst one. Damn's wow. the worst one, at least in this universe. Yeah, and in Star Wars, damn yeah. is like wait till wait. A lot, of, people, a lot of people got called snakes. I like watched yeah. it again recently, and I'm like, a lot of people just got referred to as snakes. Yeah, there they said the, a lot of weird things about huh. Hux, where they were like, yeah, they kept the Huck, calling him one thing, and they I was turned like, Hux, Hux into like a, a complete He's com- a comedian. comedic relief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's but like see, C3PO. That's but also in the first movie. He looked like it was going to be like he was going to be a badass. Yeah, he was Hitler. Yeah. But you see, that's kind of like going into the next movie where it's like, okay, well, Hux and Kylo Ren are the kind of like 
there's nothing to worry about. And then like, Snoke. Well, can we talk about Hux, Snoke for Hux a second? Hates How they just get rid of him? Like, yo, I'm out. leave JJ, that alone. See, here's the thing. J.J. Abrams, I think, is basically going to step back in and be like, okay, Rian Johnson mm-hmm. ignored, ignored my story. The what we talked Red about this Con. on another podcast. Yeah, we've talked about this on at least four podcasts. Name, the code name for the new Star Wars movie is actually numerically Snoke, if you spell it out or something. Um, no. Yes. No. Let's get ourselves away from this fan theory <laughs> shit before it gets too crazy. <laughs> He's not coming back. The Emperor was a, a bitch too. So I don't know. the Emperor's a bitch. Snoke's, Snoke's a bitch. The only reason you're invested in the Emperor is because episodes one through three, and because you know him now. But the original, like the OG trilogy, the Emperor was just some like wrinkly frog looking fuck. Like, right. No one cared. They but, were like, yeah, Luke, kill him because Darth Vader was the bad guy and uh, Tarkin, he was he was a motherfucker. So right. like, you've got Kylo, who's the Vader, mm-hmm. but like, yep. way more emo. And then and he's so many emotions. <laughs> we thought he listens to way too yeah, much yeah, Dreamcatcher. We thought, we thought <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Kylo needs to. Kylo is Anakin's not liking sand mixed with our band for sure. That was awesome. That was and just awesome. Hux, Hux is like a, a Tarkin that like you know hasn't gone through puberty. Right. Oh, no, he she was, puts, he's the she soccer mom. That yeah. Perfectly. Hux is the soccer mom because yeah. the, the whole scene where he gets in there and like you know um, Snoke sliced in half his first was like, what. Happened. Yeah, it's like, it, but it's like it's not even like I'm like that's not even a what happened like because people are dead. That's a like Cheerios are all over the floor of my yeah. minivan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even like a, it's a like point. yo. Like if I walked into work and my boss was just like dead on the floor, cut from a fucking laser, I'd be like. Yo, who's gonna close the store tonight? <laughs> like, what are we? Gonna no, do and then he's do just like, this? I'm the boss. But that's, <laughs> that's how they closed out the last yeah. Jedi. They're just sitting there like, okay, but I don't really have much fear going into the next. You know movie. what saved it though Force was Skype. that fight scene. Oh that no, Force Skype was tight that- though. No, Force Skype. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yo, Force Skype. If I could do that, yeah, I'd do it all Skype. the time. No, it was tight. You know, they're yeah. like, I can see you, but can you see me? And you're no, like, what did you think yeah. about the, the creatures that were on the island? The porks. The porks. The porks? Not the oh porks. no, the the turtles. The, uh, the, turtle. the turtle. The mu- the nun like the, turtles. The caretakers. The nuns. The, oh, oh, the nuns. They were like, yeah. great. The weird yeah, things they were milking. Like what? No, I never want to see. There were a lot of creatures on the island. I guess. Yeah, I loved the turtle. Yeah, the milking thing. I loved the turtle nuns. Yeah. I thought the turtle nuns were great. Yeah, the turtle nuns. I were, wish I those had were one very at home. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. That's, and I love that they kept getting fucked over. When you, like, every if you time, do it like, like a, you, if you do it as a puppet, you know, then it becomes yeah. original Star Wars because that's the vibe, of right? The yeah. And they actually you know? gave those nuns a backstory. So, yeah. like yeah. in the books, I think they go into more depth about like yeah. why they were there, they're, what they were doing. They're little sweethearts. That just keep who got their houses. They have up. really <laughs> terrible luck. Like their luck is worse than yours. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, we're going deep again. She was like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, yeah." Let's talk yeah. about that. Let's talk about that, Brian. Just spill your guts. No. So uh, going going back to Solo now. One of my favorite parts was at the beginning when they were um, they were running and then they got caught in the big worm lady. Like the way Han tries to get out of it. Like he picks up the rock and. You know, pretends it's a thermal de- de- detonator, and she calls him out. She's like, "That's not a rock, and you—that's not a thermal detonator. It's a rock, and you made the clicking noise with your uh, your mouth." <laughs> and just totally, he's just like, "No, no, no!" And everyone else in the room's like, "What's going on here?" 
I was rolling uh, during so that it's, scene. He did a great job of being Han Solo without right. being Harrison Ford. Ford. Mm-hmm. And I honestly heard rumors that he was going to be shit. And so, like, I was like, he might be bad, but, like, he's not terrible to look at. Well, and let's yeah. be honest. The reason he's why that... He's man pretty. He is the man reason, pretty. The In reason- Lando... I mean, let's oh, yeah. let's, let's be, talk let's, about Lando. Let's be real here. <laughs> like, if we could just date any Star Wars character, I think the whole table would agree. Yep. Young Lando. Yeah, I don't I'm know. here for it. I don't know. Padme. <laughs> kind of the whole time. That <laughs> the whole table the likes table. Lando. I don't exactly I say swing it. that way. All right. Can, I we, say can, it. We, can we agree on the guys, Padme, then young Lando? <laughs> no, no, no. Padme was like 12. No, she was. She was, she, was. she was 14, and then all of a sudden she's like 19. In the first film, and she their, was 14. And their love was terrible. I was like, if, if. He was nine, and she was 14. Yeah, and if that. That's the Weird work, Al song. You ever heard that? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm quoting. Long, long time ago. <laughs> Oh, we Lord. have guests here who get my weird all references. <laughs> all right, all right. So we got to reel it back in. We're going I'm on trying. two hours here. I think that's so, so do we wrap it now? Yeah, I think we wrap it now. Okay. So I want to thank you, Brian and Chelsea, for coming out, and Benny for sitting in on thank this. You. Yeah, thank Addie. you. Yeah, thank you for having us. And I hope I hope the short stories I shared with you guys like really invigorate you and give you some like fucking live wire. For when you guys go back into the studio and anybody who listened to this tonight, between my stories, Chelsea's, Brian's, can listen to it and possibly come out of a very dark space and and just rise above. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add in closing? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, thank you for one having us and two sharing your stories. I know it's not always easy to talk mm-hmm. about such personal stuff. Um, and. Also, to anyone that's listening or hears the band or what we're about or anything like that, if you need something, we're just a tweet away. You know, like like we were saying earlier, sometimes it's getting a text message when you're at that moment. And sometimes you don't have someone that's going to text you and, you know, you can reach out to us. You know, we go through things, too. So I'm not going to say, you know, I'm always going to be such a great asset, but I'm here to listen and you're not alone and, you know. And you can't always expect for that text message yeah. to come through because that text message, it's what shifted my focus. But mm-hmm. the way things ended, like, were totally against where I thought they were when I got the text message. Yeah. So you, it really a grain of sand is the difference from being in that dark space. Yeah. And Just if you, have, if you have the power in yourself to reach out, please do. You know, we're here to listen and to help get you help. And, right. you know, you can always reach out to the band to do anything or come to a show and share your stories i think that's you know the thing that i love most about me being a musician is being able to share my story and to hear other people's and uh it's really important to us that you know people feel anything when they listen to it and so for that we appreciate you and anyone else who who feels anything and you both got to hear a story of somebody your music helped tonight and hopefully by this podcast other people will get to hear our story and mm-hmm. it will help them as well. Absolutely. That's what I'm looking to do. You guys gave to me. I want to give back to other people. Yeah. Absolutely. We want to reach out to as many people as we can that will relate to the music so and uh, hear it. Well, so thanks thank for uh, sharing it with uh, thank your you. listeners. Thank you both very much. I do want to have you guys back on for a comedy podcast and we can have more banter about Star Wars anytime. And, and anything anytime. else guys, you guys are interested in. Thank you so much yes, for thank coming. You. Awesome. Thank you guys. And everyone, this is uh, Chris signing off. And Addie Venture. And Chelsea from Dreamcatcher. And Brian from Dreamcatcher. And Betty Flower from Strange.